begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris, aka Star Raptor, here for Outer Rim Transmission number 81. This week, we're talking about the Dooku shorts from Tales of the Jedi, as well as Andor Episode 9. Nobody's listening, because it's got an exclamation point, so I gotta yell it. Um, it might look a little bit different today if you're watching on YouTube, because I don't have just the normal crew, but I have an additional person. I have my guest here, Hannah Rayside from the Rayside and the SWU. So first of all, thanks for being part of the chat. We have the first time you're making history here. We have four people. I don't know if the computer's going to explode yes. or what's going to happen here, but this is how we it's going know. so far. We don't know. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for having me on. It's going to be great discussion. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. How you guys doing, Ben, Milton? I'm um, pretty yeah. good. It was, it was, yeah. Yeah, Milton, catch us up. Uh, you weren't with us last week. Uh, we talked a little bit about, well, we talked a lot about the Ahsoka shorts. We talked about last week's episode of Andor. So what have you been up to, man? Uh, well, the past week I wasn't here, as you mentioned. I was actually in Virginia visiting my brother. Uh, he goes to University of Virginia. We were able to just hang out, go to a football game, and just, you know, catch up. Um, other than that, man, you know, just normal life, just adulting, unfortunately, but Hey man, that's what we got to do, you know, as we go through life. But other than that, I've been good. Excited to be back. Um, I did listen to some of the podcasts last week. You guys discussed the Ahsoka episodes, which again, that show is some of the best storytelling of Star Wars. And I think I mentioned it in my little blurb when I sent to you guys, just how perfect. And we'll get into it today with Dooku. The I think that his episodes, the third one, is by far some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen in my life. Like it's mm -hmm. it could have been a perfect epilogue to episode one. Mm -hmm. Oh heck yeah! I can't wait to dive in. What's going on, Ben? Um, nothing too much this week. It's been a pretty chill week, I'd say, for the most part. You know, just doing kind of the normal stuff that we all do. You know, just lifting weights, um, talking Star Wars with you guys, talking Star Wars with random people on on twitter and you know that's about it really nothing nothing too crazy just been a been a normal normal chill week heck yeah so i want to turn things over to hannah for a few minutes here because um you're an up-and-comer you got some really cool content you've been producing as of late you got your own youtube channel the race side where you do yeah. really cool work because you have this variety channel for star wars and i've never seen anything quite like it you know there's a lot of channels like me out there they're just breaking down the lore and stuff and you do that too because you did that awesome uh raxus video which i really appreciated um nice. but you you i feel like the andor series is really helping out your 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 creative <laughs> flow because there's such oh, great things even so so tell us a little bit about your channel what stuff you produce and what you do over there on the channel there yeah for sure so the the reason i made this channel uh, a variety channel like you said is that that's kind of how i love to enjoy star wars i love building star wars lego i love like star wars toys collecting things uh, you know, I d and as a kid growing up with Star Wars, I liked, you know, making Star Wars themed food and just like getting really hands on with Star Wars. So when I came to this channel idea, it made a lot of sense that that was kind of the center of the channel, that it's like every week I'm going to be making a food, making a craft, making some sort of project that was around Star Wars. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Andor is just making this so easy for me because every week we've had the blue cereal that Cyril eats. We had the weird worm cocktail that Mon Mothma had the other week. Like we've been getting some great things in Andor, which I, every week I do, I do the live show. 
and I make that thing and it just it, it's kind of the center of the discussion where it's like I make the thing but it kind of enables me to kind of uh, converse live with all the people in the chat and just talk theories and thoughts and sometimes it's a little bit more interesting uh, I think because it is just myself it's a little bit interesting to you know if I'm talking along and then someone can kind of watch what I'm doing as well um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's what happens over there on the race side. It's a very good time, but yes, I've just started doing some, I'm, I'm going to continue to be doing some deeper videos. Like I, like, uh, that Raxus video kind of did a bit of a background on the Raxus, uh, planet. Cause that was mentioned. I mean, we'll talk about mm -hmm. Raxus anyway. Um, that was mentioned in the Dooku, uh, like, will I like, go there? And that's the second Dooku epi episode yep. in Tales of the Jedi. And I was like, I, we know this episode. I know, uh, sorry, I know this mm -hmm. planet. I know this planet Raxus. What's Raxus again? And then, uh, yeah, that, that led me to do a massive deep dive uh, about it as well. But, uh, but yeah, that's what I do. I've earned the channel. It's a good time and so enjoyable. So, so I have so much fun. It's, I know it's for like a live show for an audience, but I'm having the best time with it. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're obviously all the way from the other side of the world. We're all on the East Coast here of the US. And so yeah. when Andor is airing, what time is that your time? It's like prime time. It start. It comes Ooh. out at six p.m. So oh, you get man. you get your dinner ready. You like you get in for the night. It's a mate. It's after work. It's such a perfect time, six p.m. Because yeah, everyone. It's like three a.m. for you guys on East Coast, and it's like midnight and one a.m. And I'm just like, oh, geez, yeah, why are they punishing that. you? <laughs> if these guys like to watch the episodes early, I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm usually getting yeah, sleep. I mean, get I, I get up before to go work out. I'm not watching TV at four o'clock in the morning. Like, I can't <laughs> no, that's what I do. Okay. When it comes to watching these releases and stuff, I have discovered mm -hmm. I, um, I, I've actually started the last couple weeks to watch it, not, not watch it at 3 a.m. Because that, um, I think watching it being tired makes me become much more of a harsh critic than yes. I would normally. So now I've pushed it back to watching it when I get it up at when I get up at like seven or eight AM, it's like, all right, let me just watch it then because I'm definitely more of a tougher critic on the show when I'm tired. And yeah, mm. so I, so the last few weeks it's been watching at, you know, seven, eight AM and I feel like I've uh, had a better viewing experience to say the least. That's I like right. That. I, I like that makes sense. That makes sense. You know? <laughs> so so there you go. If you guys are out there, if you're if you're staying up till 3 a.m. to watch this thing, you you don't know what what's going on, what you're gonna do to go to Hannah's channel and hang out because she's always got like the pre-game party going on. You got all the speculation, yeah. you know, you got a very lively chat, which is awesome, by the way, to be able to engage and having those activities just makes it all the much better when you're, you're not just talking to all, there's actually people responding and engaging. So it's fantastic. And, and, you know, we've had other representation representatives of the SWU on a channel from Ben yes. to Dom. Um, so maybe just do a quick little blurb about, Hey, what's the SWU? been up to what have they been doing with the reviews and all that yeah. kind of thing oh the sw the guys over there are legends i've only just recently joined the team over there uh the usual weekly team uh but yeah ben chris and dom and i over there uh breaking down really really like to the minute detail of every episode that comes out mm -hmm. uh so it's not just like a broad discussion it's like we will scene by scene like go through everything we can pick <laughs> from it and it's always a good time uh, there's Ben's connection corner where he's got to pick out <laughs> things that connect to other Star Wars 
shows and movies. It's it's such a good time. So that yeah, we're cranking through that every week over there every Thursday. And uh, yeah, the other week when Tales came out, um, we did like a double show. Uh, again, breaking down. These shows go for like over, like some of them almost three hours. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Tales of the Jedi one was was three hours, just to is the <laughs> amount of like intensity oh. in it we had to oh, go yeah. through. But uh, it's great. It's so yeah. so fun over there. Definitely, definitely. So we're gonna jump into our usual little spiel here, our week in Star Wars, and I am so unprepared. So I'm gonna make somebody else go this time around because I, <laughs> I just realized, oh, I have nothing I'll, to talk about this week. Okay. I tell you what, I'll, I'll go first with this one. So this was actually last week's when I was down in Virginia visiting my brother. It was myself, my sisters, and my brother-in-law came with me to go visit. So this was literally the week when Tales of the Jedi came out. And you know how I felt about that show. I watched it at my house. Get down to Virginia. I said, guys, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. And I had my, you know, my brother, Chris, he's a huge Star Wars fan, too. He watched and he was really impressed. And even my brother-in-law, who I know watches Star Wars sometimes, he actually was impressed with, like, that animated, like, 15-minute shorts and how much, like, it told a really, like, mm-hmm. rich story. Mm-hmm. So, to me, it was nice to see that my brother-in-law, who I don't know what his relationship is really like with Star Wars yet, but for him to sit there and be like, oh, this is actually really good. I like this. And like he really was intrigued by the story. And I was like, oh, that's pretty crazy how, again, an animated short mm-hmm. characters he doesn't really know that well to really like gravitate him and pull him in. So I thought that was very impressive and really awesome to see that. So, yeah, that was my week last week. Yeah, that's what's really good about Tales is that they are just so short and contained that it is one of the best things to introduce people to Star Wars. If they haven't watched Star Wars in a while, just be like, hey, uh, let me pull you aside. You got you got 12 minutes. You got 13 minutes. OK, watch this and tell me how it is. It's very easy to digest. It has the themes right there in front of you. Um, and it's got beautiful you know beautiful cgi beautiful animation whatever um, with great music. It's got the whole Star Wars package. And we'll talk about this in depth uh, later on. Just bundled into this tight knit package you know so it's good mm. yeah so ben what about you what about this week yeah i mean like i mentioned in my my intro earlier i uh i didn't really have that eventful of a week in star wars just kind of the norm you know but for me um i would say the mo- the most uh i don't know interesting or little tidbits of star wars i ran into was just you know scrolling through youtube while doing my cardio after lifting, um, you know, I normally will do like 20, 30 minutes afterwards um, since I'm mm-hmm. dieting right now. And so I so I got down, I went down the rabbit hole of like scrolling through YouTube shorts. Yeah. And, um, you know, since, it, since I'm looking up Star Wars stuff, I'm getting Star Wars suggested ones. So, you know, I just like went down a rabbit hole, like scrolling through like ones that was like, you know, little clips of George Lucas talking about like the <laughs> movies or, you know, little tidbits of like, you know, whatever, like, clips of Mark Hamill or Carrie Fisher, like, different people talking about Star Wars, and, you know, it's just cool, like, looking back on some of those old clips, because, like, the one clip from George Lucas was from, like, the eight, clearly from the 80s, like, it was when he was younger, and it was, like, him talking about how, like, how he viewed, like, his, like, Star Wars stories, like, even though it's, like, a trilogy, viewed it as, like, kind of one movie, you know? Mm. So it was interesting just hearing, like, that those type of like just little tidbits and you know hey it just like passes the time and you know what what better way to pass the time than with star wars stuff <laughs> we got matthew nejabauer in the chat the most from the central coast 
Also rectangles. Oh, yay. <laughs> he likes our new layout, um, which means that if you want to keep this layout, we'd have to have a fourth person permanently or just having a guest every week or just having a blank white square every once in a while, I guess, to <laughs> fill the third blank in there. But we appreciate it, buddy. We appreciate it. If you guys uh, don't know, Matthew is one of two part of Ion Canon podcast, which is also part of the SW network. So yeah, a lot of representation there because everybody that's part of that mm. does a does a great job. Hannah, on your Star Wars radar, yes. what's been going on this week or the last couple weeks or anything cool? Because we've never really talked yes. to you on the channel before. So just go out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I've been really this year, this whole year, I've been really getting into Star Wars books because Ooh. I've been like a Star Wars fan for like 10 years and I just like haven't read any of the books and I'm like, there's like hundreds? I don't know if there's hundreds. Many, many Star Wars books out there uh, that are, you know, so good and so revered by so many. So this year was like my goal to get into it. Mm. Uh, so I've, I'm kind of on a bit of a Princess Leia run now. Okay. I'm, I've read Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Ooh, I've finished Bloodline. Uh, and now in the past uh, week or two, I just started uh, Princess and the Scoundrel and just uh, oh. cranking through that, which is a fairly newish book. When did that come out? I think that came out in May, or... I think. Or no, not May. May, uh, May. Oh, well. August, I think. Yeah. This year sometime. Summer. Year, yeah, so. yeah. So fairly new. <laughs> so I'm not too late on this one. Ooh. So uh, I'm currently reading through that, really enjoying it. Um, and I'm loving this whole idea of like, and I found this in obviously Bloodline was pretty heavy in this as well. Uh, kind of exploring her relationship and understanding of her connection to Vader and kind of Ooh. how she's processing that um, is super fascinating to me. Like, you know, obviously we don't really get that in any of the movies. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm up to uh, in the Star Wars world, I guess, this week, cranking well, through that book. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody here knows that's why I basically made the channel on is the books, the comics, all the paper canon, as Matthew <laughs> likes to call it. And, uh yeah, paper cannon. But we have those three books are probably the most solid like character studies in Star Wars so far. Like every time they put out a Leia book, it's always like a nine out of ten for me. Like Bloodline, Claudia Gray, Leia Principal, Alderaan, Claudia Gray, um, Beth Revis, I believe she's the one that did um, yes. Princess and a Scoundrel. So like all those books are basically home runs because they all dive into yeah. a character that we thought we already knew. And that you're saying it's like, oh yeah, there's this whole other concept of her father being the most evil guy in the, in yeah. the entire I'm galaxy. Like, yeah, like, well, you got to think about that. Like, no wonder she's like, how do I feel about this? <laughs> like, it's kind of rough. <laughs> yeah. Say, like, you know, we, we even dive into, I mean, besides her dealing with the process of, you know, or processing Vader, but she lost her whole entire planet. You know, mm, like, I mean, people yeah. wiped out. So I don't really think we ever got anything that, yeah, we, yeah, right. The the trauma, the PTSD. I know it's been mentioned a few times, but there's never really been like anything about her psyche regarding that. Because let's be real here, Princess Leia, if she wanted to be, she can be a basket case. Just thinking like, listen, mm -hmm. I lost my dad, I lost my people, my dad, my real dad's Darth Vader. I don't know who my mother is really. It's like, yeah. Mm. You know, she was kidnapped, obviously, from Obi-Wan. Like, it's she's been through some stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the story so far, are you still, like, in the, the beginnings of the book right now, Hannah? Yes. Where am I up to? They've just, they've arrived on the, is it the Halcyon? The Halcyon, yeah. Is that the ship yeah. they go to? Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they're on there, and things are kind of getting a bit dicey there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it, yeah it, it's got to. a great it's got a great structure. It's like that first third, you're on Endor. The second third, you're in the Halcyon. And the, the last part, you're on this really cool ice planet, which, again, I always say is like mm-hmm. one of the best new inclusions of a planet um, in the books in Star Wars. Because I do. She does a great job of really like fleshing out the culture and like the importance mm-hmm. of that planet and, and the role of everything there. And then, you know, there's some little empire stuff going on, which is always a lot of fun and it, it connects. And it's a good thing you read the other books because there's a lot with, um, and you might've even come across it already. Like there's direct references to, uh, Leia princess of Alderaan with like the Rindan sh- sword and all this kind of stuff. And like uh, yes, the ceremony the sword and the marriage thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 And then, yeah. and then you have bloodline that comes after. So there's like some little foreshadowing that's like kind of sprinkled into the book, which is, which is fantastic so yeah i highly recommend everybody out there to to go pick up any of those three books they're they're all fantastic um for me i was able to scramble because i have some stuff i didn't show off yet so i have a little little collection that i get if i don't have anything to show or talk about and uh well this is definitely worth talking about because i have miniatures i'm about to build pretty soon i've had these sitting around for a while but yes we finally have din and grogu in Star Wars Legion miniature game and IG88, IG11. You got these guys are awesome. So, yeah, um, probably won't get to them anytime soon because I have a couple things I have to get through first, gaming wise. But um, I'm on a little little gaming kick right now. As a, those of you who have seen, I've jumped on WoW last night, did a little live stream. Um, <laughs> so, one of these days when I get time, I'm going to build those up. But uh, yeah, it took them only three years to get the Mandalorian into the game, which is funny. <laughs> um, that that game, it's like the miniature stuff. They 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 are always so far behind on the pipeline. It's like yeah, they're little min- plastic miniatures. Would it really take that long to get them on an as- assembly line? Apparently, it does. So, um, but apparently, Din Djarin's a badass in the game. Like he he is super good just being solo and just taking out units left and right. So, when I finish those, I will definitely show them to you guys and put them on social media but uh yeah we got so much to get through a little housekeeping as usual if you guys are watching us live thanks for doing so you can always chat with us live nine o'clock eastern uh friday nights and you can always listen to us on any podcast app of your choice uh we always put up new episodes around monday early in the morning for everybody's work week there so we're gonna jump into some stuff and i know hannah will have some things to say about some of these um but out this week first of all we have a new high republic book have you dived into the high republic at all hannah i think you i think i seen you read maybe one or two of the books i have i've read i can't even I can't even remember the the first one, the oh, Light, of, Light the of the Jedi. Light of the Jedi. Yeah, I've read the young adults one, Test of Courage. Oh, that's that's another and, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like started reading. Uh, God, I can't remember any of the titles. What's the one after Light of the Jedi? What's the one after that? Rising Storm, or Rising Storm? Is it the young adult the one, other one by Claudia Gray? One. Into the dark, but I've cl- I've into the dark. That's the one. That's the one. There we go. Uh, so I've only I've only lightly dabbled, but uh, of of course that's on my to do list as well. That's uh, I, I need to get into those more. Okay. Okay. Well, today or not today. This week we got and and Matthew's talking about, of course, uh, quest for the hidden city. I gave that book, I think, like a nine out of ten. Like, if you liked um, Tess of Courage, Hannah, you're really gonna like this one. It's like that good old. It's a junior novel. It's like good action adventure 
it's basically what I expect the High Republic Phase 2 to be, which is basically they're going into the unknown, they're going exploring, they come across monsters, they come across crazy things, but they have like this cool new type of team set up with like medics and these different surveillers like oh surveillance like the droids that go around and they're, they're the ones that are like the first ones out into the outer rim that are just pioneering through a whole thing so like that entire book is all about the unknown and finding things and new species and and the republic trying to make connections with brand new culture so for me it really hit on all the points i've been looking for from the high republic um so yeah my review's out now and uh so go go check it out we have three comics three kind of comics that came out this week one of them is the adaptation of the mandalorian based off the gutslinger episode five that's the one on tatooine um with fennec shan first being introduced so that one's you know Basically, if you've watched the show, you, you know exactly how the comic's going to go. But we also had Bounty Hunters number 28 and Star Wars number 29. Um, real quick with Star Wars 29, they actually had a connection with the with the High Republic, believe it or not, with uh, the Nile and the Strike Ship. So you could check all that out. But we got some gaming stuff to uh, talk about that came out this week. Out of nowhere, apparently it's Fortnite Star Wars week. I didn't see anything about this, but they have all new skins. If you want to jump in as Leia and Boosh's armor from Return of the Jedi, you can do that. If you want to jump in as Luke from Jabba's Palace, you could do that. If you want to jump in as Han with the cool camouflage uh, jacket, you could do that. So they're already celebrating the 40th anniversary of Star Wars early. Uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi early, which I can't wait for because that's like I keep saying that's my favorite Star Wars movie. I know it's not the best, but it's definitely my favorite so far. It changes, but that's all out there, and they have all the other cosmetics um, that you can they can purchase now. I still have my good old stormtrooper outfit that I just run around in, um, but I don't really play Fortnite like that anymore. What about you, Hannah? Do you play Fortnite? No, I don't. I have successfully avoided Fortnite until <laughs> thus far, so I, I don't. No, but but that's cool that they've uh, it's joined though. It's really cool. Yeah, I like how they stuck to the OT characters though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do have Finn. They have Ray. They have Kylo. You can oh, be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have Boba Fett from the Book of Boba Fett. They have Fennec Shan. I think they even have um, uh, the what's the Wookiee's name? Um, Black Kersantan, I think is even a playable yep. skin. You can. You can guess. So it's it's funny because somebody put this out on Twitter where it's like Fortnite has gotten the most like Star Wars support more than any of the Star Wars games have at this point. Because it's like they've been supporting well, so with all these characters for years. And it's like, sorry, Battlefront 2 gets avoided of all its content and this and that. It's just kind of ironic well, how that happens. Well, you, first of all, you know how I feel about the Star Wars games in general. But <laughs> yeah. Um, as for like the Fortnite love or just what love of Star Wars, didn't they release like the um the Palpatine message on the Fortnite? Remember that? Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, why didn't yep. they put it in the movie? But they put it in Fortnite, like his call <laughs> or something, which was weird. And I don't play Fortnite. A lot of my friends do. That was thinking, oh, that's crazy. A, that's an odd place to release Palpatine's call into the galaxy. I'm like, all right. <laughs> but I mean, critical but, but information. Yeah, exactly. But I guess because Fortnite's so popular. I mean, listen, a lot of my friends, like I have a whole bunch of friends that are teachers and they play Fortnite with their kids all the time. Like, how do you get into that game? I never liked it. I tried it. It's to me it's not fun, but it's got such yeah. a hell of a, a reach. I'm like, okay, well, we're doing something right. 
Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. We've never yeah. brought that oh. up on the channel, but uh, and about the whole Palpatine message. But I was I was watching it live because at the time I didn't play the game either, but I found somebody's live stream and I was just like, I think I'm just watching it at work on a lunch break or something. But I was like, JJ Abrams comes out, like has his own avatar out of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and that first voice comes out. And then they just have like a gigantic lightsaber battle where everybody just gets lightsabers at spawn. It was like just absolutely bizarre thing but yeah i could not believe that they never put that in the movie yeah that's that it, i don't know it's it's hilarious they like add like you said of all things that to Fortnite versus like anywhere else like in a movie or or anywhere and it's just like all right interesting decision making there but uh yeah no i'm, I'm kind of like the same boat as you milton i i couldn't really get into Fortnite. like i tried to play it years ago mind you i'm a pretty good like halo player like i would say you know at like shooting games like that so i figured i'd be good at fortnite and then i load into like fortnite and i'm like getting like sniped instantly and taken out like in five seconds and it's like well <laughs> i don't like i don't like this game so i uninstalled it and never played it again <laughs> well it doesn't the good thing about fortnite now melton is that it's a lot more uh, approachable it's a lot more easier to get it's a lot easier to get in because they don't have that build mode or at least they have a, a mode you can play that doesn't have the building shenanigans that people always do because that's the thing that deterred me from playing the game because it's just like yeah. I, I don't know what the hell these people are building this tower in like five seconds and hiding and then i'm dead it's like what is the point of it so at least they took Chris, that out of the game Chris, i'll be honest with you nothing's going to convince me to play that game I will, I will stick to I will stick to 007 Goldeneye all day. Goldeneye. Oh yeah. Well, you, believe it or not, they're actually remaking that game on Xbox and Switch. Yep. So I know. I know. You might have I to mean, buy an Xbox have, now instead of a PlayStation. I'm gonna have to hit up one of my boys for that because I still got the old Nintendo 64 version. And it's oh. I was going to say, I feel like that game is only good on a Nintendo 64. Yeah, it was like it's the just, completely oh, ridiculous it's controller. It's, oh. I don't know if you guys have played on that controller recently, but when I went to New York Comic Con, there was like that really cool place, the Coexist Party, and they have, we were playing like Diddy Kong Racing, and I picked up the N64 three of us, oh, and it was like, how, where do I put my hands on this thing? There's a joystick in the middle, <laughs> and these two other things, it's like, what is going on here? Chris, Chris, I'm still a pro, man. Listen, I'm still a pro. I can wreck you in Mario Kart, Donkey uh, Kong. <laughs> Zelda, Super Smash Kong, Bros. So nice at that. Yeah, Super Smash Bros. Listen, we play it every year. That's something oh. that we do with my family every year. It's either Christmas or Thanksgiving. I always bring over that system and we play Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart because we can get and we start screaming oh. at each other. We're all adult children. <laughs> We're like mad. Like, like, like you're cheating. But it's dope though. Like, it still holds up. That's oh, great. Man. Oh, Star man. Wars Pod Racer. That's oh, yeah. Yeah, game. so 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 actually I did. So the guys know I bought that for PlayStation Two recently, pod, the Pod Racer. I have mm -hmm. it for sixty four as well, which I realized that like a couple weeks ago. So I have for two different mm -hmm. systems now, <laughs> which I love. I love it. I never even knew it released on the PS Two. What's up? I never even realized it released on the PS Two. Yeah, well, yeah, they released yeah. it for PS Two. I'm pretty sure, and then I have the Jedi Starfighter, which I still need Ooh. to play. I bought yeah. that like a couple weeks ago. I just haven't played it yet. Yeah. So, like a Star Wars, I know you've been playing that, right? Um, and uh, I mean, uh, I was gonna say Ray for a minute there, like Ray side, no, no, Hannah. <laughs> um, and I know you've been uh, you streamed, you've streamed Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. I know they put out the yes. Galactic Edition. Um, 
I don't know if you're planning on getting that, but they have basically a bunch of character packs. Um, they did something really odd, though. Like, I, I jumped in, I, I seen the trailer, it's like, oh, you could be Thrawn, you could be all these characters. I'm like, where are these Rebel characters? Where are these characters? Where's Andor? Mm. So apparently I looked into it, they're only releasing like two packs a week until the end of November, but yet I paid up for all of them up front for like the $15 pass. But anyway, so I was a little confused. Um... But I don't know if you've seen, like, any of these. They have the Clone Wars pack so far. They have the Lego Summer Vacation with, like, the Obi-Wan with the floral print shirt and the Vader and yes. the, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. And I think with the rate of kind of new shows coming out, it makes sense that there's going to there's gonna be quite an extensive, like, list of, like, what's coming out. But, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, where's the Rebels characters? Where, where are the Resistance characters? Come on. <laughs> I want to play as Kaz, oh, please. Resistance. Oh, it continues please. to get the short yeah. staff of everything Lucasfilm. Like, I, like the characters haven't even been mentioned in the publishing, which is, like, really sad. Because at least they usually do that. But I'm like, damn it. Um, Niku. I want, I want to play as Lego Niku. I want to play as him. Oh, he would be a perfect Lego character. Seriously. Yes, yes. Oh, but man. uh, but yeah, but th this edition looks good. There's a couple of good ones in there, but uh, yeah, can't can't wait for even more. Yeah. So, did you play through through all the all the different stories in the game, all the different movies? I have, I have. Um, I thoroughly love it. It's it's one of those oh, yeah. games where I think they've really nailed the kind of the broadness of it and the expansiveness mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. it. Like each planet having like more than one destination oh, and yeah. city. And like each city or each each place is so well mapped out. I'm like mm -hmm. super impressed with just the sheer amount of content and yeah, the, just the largeness of the scale of this game. So oh, it's, yeah. it's definitely a game where you can just spend hours in free play, just hours. Uh, yeah, I've I've basically done a hundred hours in that game already. It's and I'm I'm only like halfway oh, through it. it. I have like. What is there, like, 1,200 bricks you can get or whatever? I have, like, 600. And I've been slowly mm. making my way counterclockwise for whatever reason around the galaxy's map. I think I just got to Octo. I think I'm on there now. Um, but mm. And then I'm going to have to do all the quests. So I, I, I get all these people's quests where they go. I just instantly, like, get rid of them or, like, minimize them so I can focus on the world mm. one world at a time. And then I'm going to have to go mm. back and do that. Then I want to go back and do all the story missions in free play mode with all the unlock characters to get all the, the, the bonuses. This game is going to take me until Jedi Survivor comes out. I don't even know if I'll be able to beat this game by the time that game comes out, which is a good thing. Because that's so much content. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Oh, man. So I think we're ready. I think we're ready to dive into our first of the two main topics. We're going to get into Tales of the Jedi, and first, I want to hear from you, Hannah, because me and you were in the same place with some of the first people in the world to watch episode one. Now, actually, I'm not. Have you seen Have you seen the first episode of Celebration? I'm just putting words in your I mouth, have, maybe? yes. Okay. Yeah, me and, me and Chris S. was there. Me and Chris Eagle were, were sitting together when we watched that in that panel. Okay. Okay. Were you in, in one of the satellite rooms? Were you in, like, the main Celebration stage, or...? I was at the, I was in the main stage, oh, the main one. Nice, yeah. nice. Were, you, were so, you in the satellite room? I was, and it was funny because I was with oh. with our buddy Din, and <laughs> we had oh, yeah. sat down, and he's like, got a text from somebody saying, "Oh, there's room in here," and they were about to start it. Though I was like, I don't want to miss anything. He's like, 
I was like, go without me. I was like, I'm going to just keep my ass right here. I don't want to like leave and then for whatever super reason not be able to get in. So I was like, I got my seat. I'm good. I'm good. I'm only going to be watching off a screen anyway if they play anything. So I was like, go without me. And eventually I found out he did get there. But um, <laughs> that was my okay. situation. Yeah, safe. I had to play it safe. Good. I got in a room. That's all I cared about. A room with it with a screen. But um, so yeah, just tell tell us about uh, just your initial reaction. Um, just having recently watched all of it on Disney Plus, just right off the bat, just um, spe- we'll we'll keep it specifically to Ahsoka episodes since we've basically just talked about them so far. Yes. So the, the Ahsoka episodes, I think, is one of those beautiful things of Star Wars where. Is it, was it super necessary? Was it, did we get critical, critical information in it? No. But was it a beautiful, poetic story that gave us even more information, like, and just more context around this character? Like, yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm such a big Ahsoka fan and... I, I think you know just the the subtle writing. They didn't he, they didn't try and kind of overcomplicate the dialogue or anything. It's very simple, and I really like that style for her. Um, you know, Bale being saying you know why did you come? It's too dangerous, or you know whatever he said, and mm-hmm. uh, you know her her just simple line of like she was my friend is like oh, oh, oh. stake in the heart, like just so <laughs> heartbreaking, and uh. yeah, it was just really cool to see. Like, that's one of my favorite things of Star Wars when we, either in a movie or a show, like, we get one perspective and then another piece of media shows us the same situation but in from a different angle kind of thing. Um, so I definitely, you know, seeing the Padme funeral and then oh, knowing yeah. that Ahsoka was there and, like, that connection is like, oh, man, it's so real. It's so raw. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was an interesting couple of episodes. The, the third episode of the Ahsoka one, like, the sixth, episode of tales mm-hmm. um that, that was interesting um it was definitely it felt like a like a shrunk down version of the ahsoka book uh, mm-hmm. uh by ek johnson mm-hmm. and but it was good i still enjoyed it i think it yeah. kind of um got the point across of like exactly. where ahsoka's at and that yep. she is involved with the rebels and you know obviously we see her in the show of rebels so it kind of makes that mm-hmm. jump and kind of mm-hmm. makes sense for us like i mm-hmm. think in everyone's head and now uh, but, but yeah, very, very poetic episodes. I think she got very poetic. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause they, they, they show so much of like the big moments of her life for, I never thought we would see like an infant being picked up as a force sensitive, like again, like that's, yeah. is that story? <laughs> we always come to our cry. Is that story neat? Uh, I don't like that. Like argument too much because you could argue that for any story ever made kind of thing um mm. but for that for that one it seems like oh is this is this really an important story but i'm like it's kind of cool to know because it's like this happens all over the galaxy you know like you're always a force sensitive as an infant it's very seldom that you're going to be like three or four or five or even in anakin's case no one's ever like nine years old when they get accepted into the jedi order so it's interesting to see like how such a youngling could exhibit the force and how her force connects with um, a living animal that that doesn't obviously speak as a sentient so for me that was cool just the the culture of 
people. I don't know if that's yeah. the Tegruten planet, home planet, or if that's like one of their like settlements somewhere else. But it was neat to see like how they all interact, how that tribe kind of it feels like more like a tribe kind of thing, like hunter gatherers going out in the wild, and how the her mother, like the the women, are like the really cool warriors too, and it, it does a lot for building up that mm. that sort of lore. That I mean, I don't believe we've gotten that definitely not in canon at least, but. Uh, for me, that was awesome. Yeah, that, that's, the second episode was kind of okay for me. That was just like, did it really show us a lot here for the character? Maybe, maybe not so much. And yeah, the third, the third episode was uh, was definitely an abbreviated version of the Ahsoka book, and I really was entertained. Mm. I really enjoyed it because when it comes down to it, it's the character is still ending up at the same place she ended up in that book. They go through all the big mm. moments there. That really, um, and even different moments. Like I never knew she was at the the funeral, so that was a cool thing. And now I know in my head, like, mm -hmm. oh, she's back there in the crowd. But the interactions with with Bale and seeing how Ahsoka was going from um, just done with the calls, going out on her own. You see the the Martez sister arcs and all that kind of thing, and you see a little bit of that. But then you see her get pulled back in. So yeah, fantastic, uh, Milton. You didn't get the chance to share with everybody here your your views on those first uh, those Ahsoka episodes. Let us snow yeah so episode one that was actually what they're all good you know and, and i agree with hannah i think there was such a poetic thing about those three and how it's a little mini arc and you're right we didn't get a lot of substance in the sense of like okay this is changing our perspective of her this is something that we needed to know i thought episode one to me really stood out just because it reminded me of ezra because Ezra, his power was very much like connected with animals. Mm -hmm. Seeing that she connected with, I guess, a saber-toothed tiger. I assume that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Because that thing was huge. Mm -hmm. um, just to see that that she wasn't afraid of fear, and that ties into what her mother said about don't turn away from death. You know, you have to like look fear in the face or whatever it was. And for her to sit there, not to be, not to not flinch, whatever that tiger like, you know, took her. Mm -hmm. And it was like, man, that was amazing to see how she connected with that animal. And really, the, the Force is a living thing. So it, to me, it just ties into the philosophy of what George Lucas started in 1977. You know, and now it's 2022 and how it still holds up. So it, it didn't feel corny. It didn't feel wacky or nothing. It made total sense to me. Um, episode two, that was the Anakin training episode, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that one, too. Was it necessary? Mm, not really. But it was nice to see... Anakin's relationships with, with Ahsoka and how he's very much was going to push her. Anakin was no nonsense. You can tell mm -hmm. she was starting to pick up his attitude, his way of thinking. And even as you look mm -hmm. back at the show in rec retrospect, that episode that we just got with her now makes so much sense with her attitude and how she changed over the last four seasons of the uh... Wars because he really was trying, in my head, he was preparing her not to just be a regular Jedi. He even says, that's a regular test. Everyone else does it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you a real test, and you know how she she started that attitude about him. Which, um, and in episode three, we all know what that was. It, it was beautiful. I mean, the the Padme funeral was off the chain. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, seeing her, you know, yes, you're right. Being condensed down to the Ahsoka book, it was fine. It worked for me. I love seeing mm -hmm. which Inquisitor was that. I think uh, it's technically the sixth yeah. brother, but nobody sixth was brother? actually in the comments or not the the captions. There there is no names, but I that's who was in the book. I think yeah. 
love that. I love that little duel. And yeah. I, I I did see someone complain on the internet about like, oh, Ahsoka shouldn't have beat him so quickly. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Yes, <laughs> she should have. Yep. Because again, she was trained by Anakin Skywalker uh-huh. who then became Darth Vader. Like she doesn't lose. Like she has is one of the best teachers of all time. And also she learned from mm. Obi-Wan a lot of the times as well. Uh-huh. So and these inquisitors are what just what dark fallen Jedi or they're fallen Jedi, the best, you know, yeah. yeah they weren't they weren't the, the best of the best. So to me, like it made sense for Ahsoka to just take him out quick. So I, I think if people actually went back and paid attention to how these characters were developed, that makes sense as a story beat. Oh yeah. It made, it, it made sense how she was trying to avoid and detected yes she still helped that person from dying because that's just her nature it just made sense so i i love, love the episodes it was like i told you guys this was some of the best star wars storytelling i've that we've had in the last what three four years yeah mm, sure yeah sure. And, and, and a lot of that will go into what we're talking about tonight which is the dooku episodes and when they first announced this at celebration they're like we're getting ahsoka but we're also getting dooku and i said oh i'm immediately very excited for the Dooku stuff because, uh, first off, all these stories are take, telling, taking place mainly before Phantom Menace. So we haven't seen a lot of that on screen, at least. So it's always great to see that bridge new territory and see how the Republic, see how the Jedi, it, see how the, they all are and how they work together before things get really bad. And I was really happy to see. And we'll kind of go into our initial impressions based on all three of them. We'll break it, each one down separately. Um, so I'll just kind of start. But yeah, it's just... Everything being so right what I wanted it to be with, hey, we get to see how people react to the Republic and how the Jedi function with the Republic and seeing how you can see the downfall of the Jedi. And the biggest thing is making Dooku a sympathetic character. Like, you would never expect, like, oh, I actually kind Mm. of agree with why this guy did what he did. It's very easy to see, like, that slow, slippery slope of falling to the dark side, but... Uh, you can see how he would do that and the fact that they were able to you know these are all like i said in the beginning standalone episodes you could watch you could show anybody but when you watch them all in like a 40 minute sequence or 45 minute sequence they all build up off of one another and they add to the strength of the character development they make you understand they make you believe so right off the bat yeah this was everything i wanted and much much more especially with that last episode the sith lord oh my gosh the way it pulled together the prequel trilogy just blew my mind i'll throw this over to hannah mm. yeah absolutely i th- and i think the the connective tissue of this arc was to to the prequel movies was just so so well done um i mean something as obvious as like when uh you like you saw him delete Camino. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, like I don't know why, but that was just such like a yeah. that, oh, it's happening. Like that's the thing. He's doing the thing. <laughs> um, so that so that was really cool to see. Um, I really love the dialogue uh, of of these characters. Again, I I think the same thing with the Soaker arcs. I think like less is more with these characters. Like it's more about like the one sentence they say here like speaks volumes. So the Dooku's just he's yeah the writing and his dialogue was just so so good um i love there was a lot of lines uh, especially with the qui-gon stuff that were very similar to phantom menace and they're kind of seeing their relationship and actually see how that's it's quite mirrored to qui-gon and obi-wan's relationship in a way Mm -hmm. um which was really really cool 
but yeah, I like what you said. He he's somehow turned into the sympathetic character. Like, you know, I I always thought Count Dooku was he's kind of quite dry. He mm. he's just this old, you know, angry guy. He's just the pet of Palpatine. He's just like, oh, God, you know, in the prequel movies, like he's just kind of he's just kind of there and he's just dr- you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's He's just doing his thing and you just don't like him because he's the antagonist. But in this, yeah, in this, I, I had like a 180 perspective on him mm-hmm. in this show being like, oh, wow, like he's actually got a really good point. Like Dooku actually just wants everyone to be equal and he wants people to be treated fairly. And he, you see him like empathizing with how this people on this um, planet is getting treated. I don't know what planet that was. You know, and he, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, well, where's your leader? Like, why mm-hmm. is he not taking care of you? Like, you see him really care about people. So you go, oh, Dooku's actually a great guy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of see that journey in him. And, you know, obviously he, by the end, he takes it to extreme. And I think that's the sad thing by the time we get to that final episode of him and, you know, he has that conversation with Yaddle and he's, you know, in that spot with Palpatine. You, you go, oh, you just took it too far. You just took it too far. You were about to be a really great Jedi, saving a whole heap of people, uh-huh. but he took it a little bit too far to, to go to the dark side. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, and not to mention Yaddle in these episodes, yeah. like oh, being man. fantastic, just so just good. awesome. And why does Yoda speak like the way he does? What what's that about? <laughs> That's my question now. <laughs> Come Gosh. on, what? Oh um, man, yeah, but. Good time. But yeah, it does mirror that 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 scene does kind of mirror Anakin with with the Emperor there with with Mace Windu and it's like eh. you got that oh flashpoint God. moment where you can turn back. Yaddle's still gonna accept you. Yaddle still wants to help, but he just takes it too far. Milton, thoughts on the uh, these episodes, real quick. Loved every one of them. I again, I told you guys literally when I was watching it that night that day i said i'll give my reaction later watch them and this is exactly what i said to you guys pretty much and i'm trying to censor it a little bit i pretty much said like this is some of the best effing star wars that we've had i I told you you'd be dropping some f-bombs yeah and (laughs) that episode three the sith lord is again if you just make that into a live action version and put that on episode one at the end that's a perfect way to end it because I lo- the Hannah, you're so right about the dialogue for for Dooku's episodes. Mm. It was there was never nothing that was bad. Like it mm-hmm. all made sense. It all played a purpose. Like episode one, just seeing that dynamic between Qui Gon and Young Dooku was awesome. And and knowing that they made him look just like Liam Neeson, I'm thinking, wow, mm. they, they animation. The mm. Star Wars animation is so good. I, it's crazy. Just to see how Dooku was like, listen, like, I'm not going to let this stand. You know, when how that governor or senator was like, move along, you serve the, the Republic. He's like, no, I serve the people. Mm, yeah. Not, yeah. Not yeah, you. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. That oh, sounds like Dooku. That was, you know, and that then was how, how Qui Gon stepped in to pretty much keep his master from going to the dark side was uh-huh. beautiful. Episode, <laughs> two, yeah, which was perfect. Episode two. Was that Mace Windu and Dooku? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was the master they went to go retrieve the body? I forget her name. I um, forgot. But then to solve the murder of the the Jedi Knight that that died, and 
Dooku's like, I'm not having this. You know, I will break the rules. And you get to see that reflection or that mirror of how Qui-Gon's like, listen, you sometimes have to break the rules and not follow orders to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on or like, just to do what's best. So, again, that makes sense about Qui-Gon's development. Um, and then episode three, yeah, uh, we all know <laughs> what that was. We all know what that was. It was gorgeous. And I love how they, they like, Ian McDermott to come back and do the voice. And that Wait, one, did he? I'll, never get, I'll never get over it when Yaddle pops out and surprises him. And Palpatine says, looks like I've been betrayed. He just says it in a very subtle way. And Dooku's mm-hmm. like, no, you weren't. And he's like, and he pretty much looks at him and says, "Well, prove it." Like he does. Mm, it's like so good. How but you don't have to. You don't have to say much. And he, he just how he says it, and it's like, okay, he he knows how to manipulate your feelings and your thoughts. And it's like, this is why Palpatine is probably, to my my opinion, one of the top three villains of all time. And when it comes to cinema and history, like just to me, because Palpatine played the long game. And even this mm-hmm. week, I've been listening to the Darth Plagueis book again because of uh, the show. It's like, man, just seeing how Sith with their long play and how they really know how to just maneuver and manipulate. And and I think back on it thinking, well, were they right? Were they right to try mm. to eradicate the Jedi and bring peace to the to the galaxy? It made you question it. It made you think about it. So to me, this was perfect writing, perfect Star Wars. It's like, come on, why can't we make George <laughs> or Dave Filoni like the guy when it comes to like all like movies from this point moving forward because he knows how to write Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. There's there's no denying that. And Ben, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, I would say, like I can echo the points from all three of you. Like I, to me, this was top tier Star Wars storytelling um, period, like whether it be the Disney era or overall Star Wars, like, you know, just overall through Legends and everything, like it's right up there with just about everything. Um, like for me, you know, as, as you, as you all mentioned, you know, just seeing the relationship between Qui-Gon and Dooku was nice. Like just the subtle, mm-hmm. the subtleties that were added, for example, like when, you know, when Dooku was going to take that Senator out, when Qui-Gon stepped up, like Dooku pushed him back initially and it was like, whoa, like this is, this is crazy. Um, and then just seeing like Dooku's transition, you know, obviously from that to, you know, the differences we saw between him and Mace in the second episode. Obviously, I mean, I'm not sure um, none of you brought it up on uh, on this specific dis- discussion, but, you know, Dooku interpreted Mace in that second episode. Basically, you know, basically Mace knew he was going to get a promotion after the mission and he kept it quiet. Like, yeah. you know, so, like, that, that pushed yeah. Dooku even further, like, even further toward the dark side. Like, you could tell him by his reaction, he was like, mm-hmm. oh, so, so you, you knew this was going on to begin with. Um, so, like, it, it's great, like, seeing that. It's also nice, as well, getting to see Dooku, um, you know, mentoring Qui-Gon, because we get a lot of that mm-hmm. mirrored in Phantom Menace yeah. of, you know, Qui-Gon doesn't directly follow the rules, like... Like, I mean, he literally says to uh, either Obi-Wan or Anakin in Phantom Menace when they're talking about the Queen uh, having to know or whatever, and he's like, well, the Queen doesn't have to know or whatever he says. Like, you know, so, like, Qui-Gon bending the rules, like, you know, he's right there. Obviously, he's not dark side like Dooku, but he's definitely between... He's in that, like, medium range between, like, leaning dark-ish and good-ish, like, kind of in the, in the I guess, gray Jedi area, I guess you would say. Um and then, of course, like, the last episode, that, you know, 
I, I knew when I watched that, I, I sent it in our group chat. I was like, Milton's going to be dropping some mother effing <laughs> bombs in, the, in this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I just knew it instantaneously. I was like, yep, this is going to be Milton's like Star Wars right here. Um, and, uh, and it was great hearing his reaction just because it, it was just so good. Like to me, there was that, that final episode, like I've watched it probably three or four times now. Cause it's just so mm -hmm. dang good. Like, like it's literally perfect. And you know, it, it's too bad. Of course we don't have Christopher Lee, but man, if we could have seen that in like live action somehow, some mm -hmm. way or another, who knows, maybe deep fake eventually. Um, but man, that would mm -hmm. be incredible. Cause it was, it was done so well. Obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I instantly was like anxious. I was like, well, dang. <laughs> as soon as you see Yaddle, you're like, yep, she's yeah, dead. Like she's she has dead. to be, she has to be. So mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like, oh, so this is how Yaddle's going to go out. And I was just wondering how it was going to play out. You know, if Duke was going to actually be the one to do it, or if it was going to be Palpatine, yeah, like yeah, sneaking yeah. up and taking her out. So it was good that Duku actually did it. And I'm surprised, like, you know, they did, they, they did some dark <laughs> stuff in these episodes. Like oh, for yeah. it being like, the, for it being the animated show, I was like, man, this is good that they're actually giving them creative freedom to kind of go back to those cartoon network days of it mm -hmm. being a little bit darker, like the old Clone Wars versus, say, lighter hearted when Rebels was on um, uh, mm. Disney well, XD. I would even say, so, would even say Chris, Ben, they, they went darker when they streamed it on uh, Netflix. I thought they did. The yep. last couple oh yeah, Netflix. Actually, yeah, that, that's a, oh, that's yeah. actually a good point there. Yeah, it did go even darker on Netflix because man, there were there were definitely some stuff in the old Clone Wars where mm. it was like, whoa, this is this is in Star Wars. Yeah. Arc, oh yeah. That, that arc is one of my favorite Star Wars stories because mm. it's just again incredible. Like that's another one I'd love to see that in live action. Um, mm. But but yeah, like these Duke episodes. It's just perfect, perfect Star Wars storytelling. Like, like I said to you, um, Chris, when we were talking about, it, like, to me, it's like a perfect ten out of ten type storytelling, just because it's like, it's it's a mini movie, basically. It's a mini movie of Dooku's life, and you know, you, you can't get much better than that. And then the fact, to me, I think, obviously, we have all these big moments in the episodes, but to me, I think one of the most like, you know, of course, we have like these like big meaningful things but i would say one of the more like simpler things i really liked from these three episodes is just the realization when we start that third episode the realization that we're in the phantom menace and then like oh yeah you know all this stuff is taking place during that movie it's like holy smokes like yeah. this mm. is wild yeah um so like that was one of the best parts of it but yeah for me those those three episodes were perfection perfection and, and chris yeah. before i let you go anyone who's watching or listening Oh, I don't. You might you might think, oh, these four people are just ridiculous. They're just <laughs> they're just praising Star Wars heavy, blah blah blah. No, just, just and, listen and, when we get to Andor. Facts. <laughs> I mean, like, like you said, and, and people who've listened when I'm on the show, like you know, I'm very like real about it. I'm just going to tell you right now, Visions and this show, Tales of the Jedi, have been some oh. of the best storytelling in Star Wars, and that's the animation display studio. Mm -hmm. So when believe us yeah. when we tell you. Animation department for Star Wars knows how to tell stories. It's it's gorgeous storytelling. I mean, that's probably the best way I can describe it. So we're not just saying it just to say it. It's legit. Go check those things out, both Visions and also obviously Tales of the Jedi, because yeah. they hold up. I think what happens, and I might be speaking out of tone here or something, but just me speculating is like there's a lot more moving parts when it comes to like Hollywood 
with making live action things and the creative vision might not ever see the fruitfulness of what the original vision was whatever whereas animation i feel like these guys just put their heads down they just you know nail this stuff every single time because there's not as much like hands in the kitchen kind of thing messing with crap they get to just start from finish and just do the thing and it's like maybe Lucasfilm just looks at it's like ah that's animation or whoever Disney looks animation just let them do their thing with live action it's like oh we really have to look at every little thing these guys do oh we we can't have that we got to change this or we can't do this let's do that instead and then maybe that could be it but I want to start well, Chris, back oh go that, ahead that, go ahead yeah yeah just throw in there real quick speaking of the animation side of things that's one thing hey if anybody from Lucasfilm is listening they need to let Kevin Kiner do some of the movies and stuff oh yeah because. He, to me, he doesn't deserve to be relegated just to the TV section of Star Wars. It's so, like, eye-rolling. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Michael G. Aquino did great on Rogue One, and um, whoever did great on uh, the other movies. Of course, we get John Williams. But Kevin Kiner deserves to be, like, in contention to be one of the lead composers. I mean, obviously, you know, John Williams is pretty much done. So, like, they need to let Kevin Kiner get involved with the the bigger projects because whether it be this series or to me, one of the best um, star Wars scores in general, like period is like the whole Kanan death sequence. Like that whole score was beautiful. And like, they need to let Kevin Kiner be more involved. I think with live action, because all of his stuff hits, like there's not any to me anyways, like any of the animation, like soundtracks or anything that sticks out as bad and it's like they need to let Kevin Kiner, I think, get involved more, um, you know, just more overall in the company. Mm. Yeah, so sure. let's go. Let's go back to that first episode of Duke. We'll just do a, a not a deep dive, but kind of a, a little bit more of a focus on each episode here. Um, what I liked immediately is just seeing the Jedi as a Padawan and master pairing just going in the galaxy before there's a time of war. I always like to know, like, what do Jedi do? And I feel like this is a great representation of a mission that would be important enough for a Jedi to go out on. And the idea that Dooku has enough foresight and enough empathy to kind of change the mission, but do it in a way that he's not actually with these evil guys. That's like starving these people. So I like to see just right off the bat, something, something new to star Wars. We just kind of keep this like as an open form. Anybody can just jump in whenever they want to say anything about this. Uh, specific episode that we're talking about uh this episode here is is this mm. justice yeah the episode two justice so mm. um yeah that's yeah, my favorite. i mean I, oh go ahead Hannah. you're good <clears throat> so i was just gonna the the feeling i got from this episode is the, the little that i have read of the high republic it felt a bit how mm. i like i mean specifically in light of the jedi how kind of the masters and padawans worked mm -hmm. like that kind of the way their missions run and what kind of missions that kind of it, it very much reminded me of that style because obviously like there's no major wars happening mm -hmm. like you know at this time of this episode so it's like yeah what kind of missions do they go on it is very much this kind of um you know yeah yeah they're, they're going out to just help people around the republic and they, they kind of wait for the Senate or, you know, the Senate to talk to the High Council and the High Council talk, you know, tell them where to go. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just something about the story reminded me of the High Republic a little bit. That's all I yeah. have to say about this one. 
Yeah, and I, and I did enjoy the backdrop. I, I really thought I was like in a medieval town, just like the the smog <laughs> and everything, just the way the ambiance was, just the creatures running around the streets. It it really set itself up really well. Where I was like, what is going on here? And not until like the the first ten minutes, I'm like, huh, what is actually happening here? This is the very much like a mystery <laughs> element going into this, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I think for me, I think it had a lot of the Western elements in it. You know, obviously mm -hmm. Star Wars originally had a lot of that Western feel of like the Cowboys and whatever, how George took it from those you know, days. But like, I love whenever they, they get to the town, they walk into the tavern or whatever, and he sits down. He must like a John Wayne type character. He's like, mm -hmm. I'm here to like just wreck shop or just like settle stuff down. But he sits at the table. He's like, you know, I'm going to be very clear. And he puts a saber down on the table and doesn't yep. say anything. I'm thinking, man, like, how dope is that? And it's like, it's just subtleness of that character. And I feel like if Christopher Lee, a young version of him, would play that character, you know, I think that's what he would do. He would be, he would play it perfectly like that and just be very subtle. Not many words need to be said. You know, you see a lightsaber, oh, he sees for real. So I love how they put that element of that subtleness into it. And again, you're, you're making that lightsaber a character, you know, and I love that. So, yeah. Heck yeah, Ben. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, like, to see, that's the thing. We we all, a lot of us here on this podcast think think very similarly. Hannah and Milton both took took my points. Um, <laughs> but 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 yeah, for real. Like, literally, my 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 point I was just about to make, Milton was it feels like a western. Like it literally did. Like you know, just him walking, just. I think the cinematography as well, the way the way um, the way they shot it, it it looks more like westerny than say some of the Clone Wars episodes would be. Well, you're right. And, uh, I mean, oh, you yeah. know, even even how they like Ben, even how you're right. Because I'm thinking about you like look at the old western movies. There's not many people in the town. It's usually just like the, the yep. cowboy or cowboy just walking mm -hmm. slow. You just see the dog barking. Yeah. So continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're good. And see, I think a lot of that, too, if you look at the cinematography for these episodes, specifically this one, um, especially with, you know, Dave Filoni being a... Like those type of little subtleties are nice and just like examples of him bending the rules and like, you know, going the whole, you know, leaning more and more to the dark side route. And like, mm -hmm. you know, Qui-Gon sees this type of stuff and look, we see it in episode yeah. one. Like he's bending the rules in there, like, you know, not listening to the queen. He's cheating on the, the, uh, the dice roll thing with Watto. <laughs> like, you know, these type of things are like you know, not perfect Jedi behavior, you would say. And then <laughs> even, Maverick. I mean, even, yeah, ever. And then, and then you have him basically telling Anakin, Hey, the Jedi won't let me train you, but just keep a close eye on exactly what I'm doing to basically get trained. Um, so like, you know, you have this type of stuff, you know, it, it's cool that they've connected it. So well. obviously, you know, we expect Dave Filoni to connect things well, but it's cool that he connected it so well to 
the Phantom Menace to be like so consistent with Qui Gon's mm-hmm. character as well as you know Dooku's character through like the lore and of course like you know this story itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. What about the episode three choices? Now, do you want to give us a quick rundown? I know we can watch your video, but but Raxus, now that's a that's a separatist planet, right, Hannah? Yes, yes. So good to see Raxus uh, in this in this show. And yeah, I, I made a video about this on YouTube. So of course, plug at the race side. Uh, go watch it. Uh, but yeah, essentially in the video, I talk about how Raxus is really important. Uh, there's two different Raxuses. Oh. Raxuses? Raxusai? I don't know what the plural <laughs> of Raxus would be. <laughs> um, but but this one that we see in the show, Raxus Secundus, is oh. we see it in Clone Wars, and that's where heroes on both sides, that episode oh. is on. Uh, so that's where Mina Bonteri and Lux Bonteri and Padme and Ahsoka go to visit uh, them. And that's where the Separatist Senate is. So it's really cool. Mm. I thought in this episode, this is like very much the start of his journey to, you know, leaving the Jedi and realizing that not right. And then like, what, like 20, 30, 25 years later, maybe 30 years later, he's like running the Senate, uh, Mm -hmm. the Separatist Senate on this planet. I thought that was such a cool, Mm -hmm. like little full circle moment. Mm and where else do we see? Th- oh, and, and we saw this planet in the Bad Batch as well. That's where oh. the Bad Batch go on a mission to like save that senator. Uh, that he, the senator of Recon- uh, of Raxus, like renounces the, the Empire. And he's like, I'm not gonna let the Empire like rule my planet. And they were like, Well, we're just gonna prison imprison you then. Uh, so yeah, we've seen this planet a bunch before. So I thought, oh yeah, I really smart. You know, I think it would have been easy just to have a random planet and random people, like you know, have it in this story, but I'm I'm super glad it's it's a plan that we've seen before. Um and also just a side note, the other Raxus, because there was two Rax there's Raxus Secundus, and then the other Raxus Prime is yeah. the planet that Maul was stuck on, of course. So he was that was the one he was uh just That's the one. down in the mud. <laughs> Raxus Prime, Raxus Prime. But I love the battles and like with the droids when they came out just like ambushed them. This was like a real twist episode. It was that's Definitely had a nice twist to it where it was just like, oh, that guy's the bad guy the whole time. And they and they killed him. And then they, and then Dooku was going hard on these guys. It's <laughs> like in a, off all <laughs> yeah. of them. And it was like, oh, Mace had to stop him. Like, whoa, that, that was exciting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it, I think that the dialogue again in this episode was so spot on. Uh, such mm-hmm. a great scene. Where where Dooku is talking to that guard in like you know where they've captured him and they're kind of standing behind the the wall together, and he what's what does he say? Yeah, as as much as I don't kind of condone your methods, um, like I understand where you're coming from. Something along the lines of that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's such a yeah. great line. Such a great line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically says like, you know, you know, you kill our Jedi friend, but you no, know, I get it. Like. Which is just—it's yeah. it, crazy. It's crazy because it's like, man, that's a, you know, that's one of your fellow Jedi. But that's basically what Dooku was implying. There it was like, hey, you know, I get it. Why you, you know, I understand why you did that. Which is wild, but you know, it's nice that they used again like subtleties like that in the episode to like show Dooku like leaning more toward the dark side, like you know, more questioning like the overall, um, I guess you would say, arc of the Jedi. Um, in the galaxy and then of course like the political the political um situation in the galaxy so it's just it's great getting to see like stuff like that 
And then even mm-hmm. specifically the fighting styles between like Dooku, like seeing how aggressive Dooku was in the fighting versus like Mace not like Mace was of course being more defensive. And it was just great getting to see that type of um that type of fighting style on display. Mm. Oh yeah, mm. that that was they kind of reminded me of like of HK droids or something. That the, the design was yep. definitely new for Star Wars, and we've seen that in the trailers. But um, and it was a different kind of cool forest environment that I thought was something pretty original for Star Wars. It wasn't just a lot of green. There's different kind of uh, little brighter tone colors and things in there, which let it like really pop. You know. Oh yeah, for sure. Like like the colors. Um, you know the color scheme. The one of the one of the parts interesting parts I guess I didn't even realize it in canon um, or I guess I didn't even think about it until they brought it up in this episode. So when when Dooku, you know, when they finally get to the whole hunch of them discovering, you know, the Jedi got killed by this dude and, and these people, it just I didn't I guess I never really connected with it per se on the whole trust thing because like because you know dooku said uh you know you wouldn't be able to ambush a jedi unless they like trusted you and you know they didn't expect it so like you know i've always been under the assumption like the force would basically warn you of oncoming danger like that so it was interesting hearing that little bit of information put in there where it's like oh so that explains of course like the clone trooper situation like the jedi generals trusted the clones um and so on and so on and and it's just like it's like whoa that's like a little tidbit of information i didn't even realize was a thing in canon so you know now like technically like jedi could get taken out by mm-hmm. quote unquote like normal people yeah, yeah if they like fully trusted them or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is definitely sure. fascinating. I th- we lost Milton. Um, he's going to try to get back in here. But let's start talking about the the final episode here, episode yep. three. Yeah, uh, let's just talk mm-hmm. about Yaddle. I think it's worth talking about Yaddle because yeah. what, a, what a presence. Uh, voiced by the wonderful Bryce Dallas Howard from Mandalorian fame. And uh, just seeing how much life she brings to the character, just the amount of compassion. Like, she really does seem like a true Jedi to me. She's not like dogmatic as much as like Mace or Kaede Mundu. And she's just out there trying to do the best for her friend. And just to mm. see her tragic end is just heartbreaking. And she tries and tries and tries, sees evil in its eyes and just gets killed off horribly. Yeah. I want to open this up to you, Hannah. What were your thoughts mm. on Hannah? All right, what were your thoughts? Oh man, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yes, what I are your wish. I about... wish I was in the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yaddle. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, Yaddle. Uh, such a great character. Uh, I I really want a pre Phantom Menace, Clone Wars style show now about all these characters. I think she is such an interesting character. She's like you said, like she's not as dogmatic as. Mace and maybe some of the other members, you know, maybe probably even Yoda. Uh, she's a lot more empathetic. She, you know, even in the lead up, the way she's very in tune with feeling that Dooku is upset or just confused or just going through something. She's some great shots of her just like looking at him, just kind of trying to be like, how are you feeling? Like, what's happening? You know, trying to connect 
just just maybe th- maybe through the force feel how he's feeling. Uh, so she's yeah, she's a beautiful character that I think I really want more of her story because I think her perspective on the Jedi Order and of the Force would be really really fascinating. Um, and yeah, very dramatic ending. Very dramatic ending. Oh. I don't quite know how she survived. I know. The- you know, because yeah. I know she force pushed it up, but it's like if she was doing that, yeah. it wouldn't have gone all the way down. But so I don't know. I don't know how she survived that, but oh, very dramatic ending. Yeah, Ben, thoughts on Yaddle? We, we've seen her for the first time here and we see her end immediately, basically. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, for me, I don't know. Of course, like you mentioned, it was interesting hearing, um, or I mean, even Hannah mentioned earlier. It was interesting hearing like her not talk like Yoda, like all gibbery. Like that was that was definitely an interesting because cause as soon as she started talking, I was I thought too, oh, she can talk normally. Okay, we'll go with this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but uh, anyways, yeah, like it was just cool getting to see her. Like of course, as you both mentioned, like her not being like so dogmatic like the Jedi. I mean, she even tells Dooku like I mean she knows Dooku's like maybe turning bad in this moment. She's like, hey, like you know, if you join join me like you know you know i'll help you out basically so mm. it's good to see like her being understanding like because you know if that was mace window he'd be like well i'm gonna take out palpatine and dooku now <laughs> like you know he mm. wouldn't of he wouldn't he wouldn't even have given him that option probably um so it was great getting to see her uh be able to like display like her jedi uh you know her her jedi-ness i guess if that's a yep. word even yeah. Um, it, it's great getting to see like that heroic side of her. And then of course, as you both mentioned, like it definitely was like kind of eyebrow raising when she gets like crushed by that thing. And it's like, because at first I thought she was dead then. And then it was like, Oh, she's still alive. Okay. We're doing yeah. this. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah. And then I thought, what, then I thought, well, like my, my first thought was like, all right, is Palpatine. Cause see, I was thinking it was going to go like, she gets crushed. I mean, initially thought she was dead, but you know, as soon as I realized she was alive, I thought it was going to go okay. Maybe Palpatine's going to come over, finish her off, and be like, "You have more training still, Dooku." Blah 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 blah. Um, but mm-hmm. then the fact that Dooku was the one to do it, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh dang! I can't believe they actually like basically showed it." Um, so yeah, I thought I thought they did a really good job at that, and it was a good character arc for yaddle a very short one but a good one i would say <laughs> yeah i like the the scene with the liam neeson uh qui-gon right there's like a very oh, yeah. much like a, a nice warmth to that conversation and the 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 thing about oh i wish i wish you could have met obi-wan my apprentice and all this stuff anyway later on that that happens but just a sheer fact that, like Oh my gosh, he's seen Qui-Gon like moments before he was actually killed, basically, or not moments, but a little bit before he was killed. Let me ask you guys this. Um, did you get the impression that Dooku wasn't part of the Jedi Order at this time? Because if you ever listened to, which I, I recommend for everybody, there's an audio drama by Kevin Scott called Dooku Jedi Lost, and he does leave the Order... And then at least in the Obi-Wan books, uh, the Obi-Wan young adult novel, Obi-Wan Padawan that came out over the summer, 
they actually have a Dooku part where Dooku is not part of the Jedi Order, but he's able to still visit the Jedi Order, the Jedi Temple. He's able to visit there, hmm. not being a part of the Jedi anymore. So I got the impression that, like, yeah, if he hasn't seen Obi-Wan, he hasn't seen Qui-Gon, this is one of his, like, journeys, even though he has a, yep. an, you know, insidious mission this time to, to, to turn off the Camino thing. It's like, oh, this fits in with all the other stories so well, far. So I really liked how they actually... Basically, in my head, can like, yeah, Dooku Jedi Lost, it, it exists. It's in its own little thing where it fits in nicely. Then he's there doing his mm. thing with with Sidious's orders and all. Well, just with the dialogue through the whole episode, I thought, I mean, I just assumed he wasn't part of the order in this episode because, like, like like you mentioned, Chris, um, from like Dooku uh, Jedi Lost, like it's like implied, and then even the Kenobi stuff, it's implied that Dooku just still basically can go and hang out and like be buddy buddies with like his friends still at the Jedi order. So like, I just, I, I don't know, I guess in my head when I was watching it, I, I assumed he wasn't part of the order then. Like I really didn't. Um, and then of course, like you mentioned, he went there with like an insidious mission to like clear the, uh, the Camino archives, which that, that man, I would love to see that in live action too. Like just, that was shot so well like you and like you mentioned earlier hand like you knew exactly what he was doing as soon as you saw like yep. him in the archives you're like uh -huh. oh man we're actually getting this mm. scene yeah this is so dang cool um yeah so yeah for me i don't know i th i thought it was done really well with uh with him and it fit like you said chris it fits right in with dooku jedi lost and the kenobi stuff and fits in pretty well and like my thing when it comes to this whole fitting pretty well with canon you know, even when we, we briefly, like, went over, like, the ending of Ahsoka, the third episode. Like, to me, this is, this is like, my policy, like, when it comes to, like, the Star Wars storytelling. Like, you know, we, if you look back at, like, some of, like, the old George Lucas stuff, like, he's talked about how, like, his initial ideas, it was, like, the wills telling the story of Star Wars. Like, that's, that's, like, what we're getting, you know, the opening crawl. It's, like, the wills writing the story of Star Wars type deal. So, like, my, my view on a lot of these stories, like, you know, you may have, like, potential issues with, say, the Ahsoka book or how it connects to, like, the Ahsoka stuff in this. Or even, like, say, if you nitpick, like, the Dooku stuff compared to this. Like, to me, it's just always a view of, like, hey, this is, like, different people telling these stories. Like, we're not watching 100% reality of what's happening. Like, we're watching the stories being told by someone. We just don't know who, you know in the star wars galaxy because i think you know like mm -hmm. if you nitpick you can nitpick like anything really so it's mm -hmm. just like I, I just i just go into it with like hey if there's little inconsistencies here and there that's fine because like all these stories are getting told from dis different perspectives good, like say yeah. say say it's like a different like for example the inconsistencies like in the ahsoka story like that's fine and all Maybe the Ahsoka story in the book is getting told by one townsperson, and the story we see on screen is getting told by another townsperson. Like, you know, like, I just I just feel it's something like that. And, hey, it helps you get past, like, the little inconsistencies that may be there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one of the, I mean, you know, speaking of connective things and... Uh, yeah. One thing I want to mention is, is that line in... Um, Attack of the Clones, that where where Obi Wan's captured on Geonosis, and Dooku says that like they talk about Qui Gon and 
No, I and he Love has it. that line which he really emotionally says, where it's like, "I wish, uh, you know, I wish he was still alive today to see this or something." Yeah. Or like, you'll help me, you know, whatever that line it was. Exactly, it was. He was so emotional, and I always wondered why was he so emotional about this. But then we, you know, to see in these episodes, he, you know, like his connection to Qui Gon is, you know, it's such a fantastic and and deep um, bond of master and apprentice, and you know, it, it makes sense that line now. Um, and it, oh, yeah. I, I do, I do ask the question of, yeah, you know, like if is that an actual question? If Qui Gon was alive, well, what would like? I don't oh. think he would join Dooku, but it's like it's that interesting question where, like, well, Dooku's like, yes, he's kind of on the dark side now, but his th- kind of theories were kind of correct, and his perspective was kind of correct that of corruption. Like, would Qui Gon agree with him at this point? It's a, it's an interesting concept, like that question of what, what would Qui Gon be doing now? Mm, yeah, I feel, yeah, I feel like so maybe like I don't know. It's it's hard to project it, but. I think, like, the way, like, say the events go down, um, mm. like, I feel like there's a chance he leaves the Jedi Order. Maybe not to, like, directly turn evil, mm-hmm, but maybe mm-hmm. just leave leave seeing, like, the dogmatic parts of the Jedi, like, creep up more and more and more. Like, mm. you know, in Attack of the Clones, they get so into the politics of it. Like, I feel like at that point, Qui-Gon would be, be, maybe be like, hey, I'm checking out. Like, I'm I'm good. Yeah. Um, he would, just like, because Ahsoka. Like, he, he was already kind of, yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like him, Ahsoka. Like, he's very similar to the Ahsoka character. Mm. Yeah, so um, finishing up with just the Tales of the Jedi discussion here. um, Unfortunately, Milton um, had to step away. He's having PC issues. So um, if he's still watching, dude, just give us your score out of 10. I already have a feeling I know (laughs) what it's going to be, but (laughs) if you're listening to us. um, I love that. But... Yeah, I mean, just wrapping up our thoughts on, on the Dooku stuff is just, uh, it's so cool to see that we're getting these super impactful stories told in animated form. Like, these are questions that I've had about the prequels. Like, ooh, what's the Sifo-Dyas stuff? Uh, who actually shut down the thing on the, what happened to Yaddle? Like, what actually happened with Dooku to fall of the dark side? Like, such awesome, hard-hitting questions being answered, but being not done so flippantly, but like, wrapping this around like this awesome age-old like the 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 fallen hero mythology and everything being so feeling like george lucas would do like this feels like a george lucas move with what dave filoni did and dave filoni wrote this episode and then milton blew my mind i had to go back and look real quick this might have probably been the first time that ian mcdermott voiced the emperor yeah because i assumed it was sam whitmer i i always think whatever emperor it's like oh it's sam whitmer and i was like Oh my gosh, I have to listen to this again because it's him. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah, well well when he was talking, I um, you know, I rewound, rewound it a couple times and played it cuz I was like that's not Sam Witwer, that's that's Ian McDermott. Like cuz there's definitely a distinct difference between the two. Like they um Sam of course sounds like Ian McDermott. He or he can, but he doesn't sound, you know what I mean, like him. So uh yeah, it was definitely Ian which is which is cool. And I feel like, you know, like this line, you know, getting him in Kenobi, maybe we get him in Andor, like in a message potentially down the road. Like, I think a lot of this stuff that we're getting, if with Ian McDermott, like it probably was just all pre-recorded, you know, all done at one time when he was in studio for Kenobi, I bet. 
Heck yeah. yeah so sure. let's give the Dooku episodes. Uh, the, the Okay, he gave it like a, what is this, uh, 10,000 out of 10, I guess. That's <laughs> yep. score of 100 million out of 10. Mm-hmm. All right, we I get the idea. It. We get the idea. Um, at least he was able to say his opening salvo. Um, and if he wants, he could talk more about it next week. Yeah. But, <laughs> but as far as me just wrapping up this whole thing, yeah, Dooku was amazing. Um, everything that was tying in. <laughs> interweaving everything uh, from episode to episode to episode, tying with deep themes of Star Wars to fall into the dark side, the ultimate choice, having those tough decisions and, and understanding that he could have gone either way is the best best possible thing that could happen. I'm going to give it a... I'll give it a 10 out of 10. Why not? I don't give out a 10 out of 10s easily. <laughs> but when I'm sitting there at like... 6 a.m. in the morning here in Easter time, and I'm like <laughs> going voice messaging in my phone, like telling these guys I don't even want to type, I just want to have them hear the excitement in my voice. And I go back and I listen to that message, and I'm like, holy crap, I was hyped! <laughs> so I have to give it a 10 out of 10 for that reaction alone. So absolutely love it. Hannah, just give us your, your closing yeah. thoughts on these and score out of 10 or whatever score you want to give it. I, we do that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of the best Star Wars storytelling that's ever ever happened, in my opinion. I I think there's. I I think I agree. I think Milton said before that Dave Filoni needs to be given the keys to so much more Star Wars writing, and I I think just even uh, what do they call the story group? I mean, I know that's mainly for paper cannon, but I just I think even for shows like he just have him oversee. The, the, this character development for star characters and shows and everything because he's just such a good he's just got such a good understanding of Star Wars mm-hmm. and that really comes down in these episodes but yeah fantastic Dooku story to see Qui-Gon to see Yaddle it's a 10 out of 10 for me I, I really just flawless flawless episodes oh man it's up to you Ben are you going to give it a 10 out of 10 or are you going to drop the ball here <laughs> <laughs> well, first, first, of course, like you said, we, we got an answer from Milton. Milton. In Milton's words, he would probably say, this is not trash. This is like the best thing ever in a long time. And this yeah. is easily for him probably like, like you said, Chris, 10,000 out of 10. Um, but yeah, for me, like this is, it's perfect Star Wars storytelling. Like we went over all of it and like, it's easily a 10 out of 10 by far the best storytelling we've had in Star Wars in a very long time. And we have to shout this from the rooftops, everybody. We got we got to shout this from the rooftops. We got to let it be known that Lucasfilm should be making more of these. And my final point to discuss here is, where do you want to see this go in the future? Do you want to see this as a mainstay that we get different characters, different errors? Do you guys have any ideas of what might happen? I'll open this up with Milton, who has stayed with us in the chat. He's there in a chat room form. Uh, he's saying, I hope we get at least two to three more seasons of the show, because if they want to do a deep dive on Obi-Wan and Anakin, hell, they can even do a deep dive on Palpatine at this point. I'd be all about it. Yep. yep. Oh, I completely agree with Milton. My my pitch to the uh, the whole thing with Dave would be, I think, you know, they need to just continue this show kind of, like, indefinitely. Like, basically when Dave Filoni has free time, you know? It's be mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, th- throw us down a few episodes, five, six episodes, and we'll we'll get them animated for you, etc. Like, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think he should just do them indefinitely between his live-action projects, for one. Mm-hmm. But for two, I think they need to alternate either eras 
or alternate. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, there's plenty of characters in the prequel era, but my pitch for season two is they should do Tales of the Sith. Like, Ooh. I think that would be, like, do do two characters like Ahsoka and Dooku was, but do it as, like, I don't know, Palpatine and... Or how, Plagueis and then Palpatine. Like, Ooh. you know, just see the full arc. Um, mm. Just something like that. Because, you know, it's like, why not? Like, either them or, or, or name it Tales of the Dark Side or whatever and have... General Grievous's arc because we haven't like seen that fully like oh. fleshed out on screen, obviously. So you know, there's plenty of options mm -hmm. they could do. I just think you know, alternating it from like good to bad would be cool, or good to bad to a different era, even like and so on. Like, there's plenty of options you can do, and just keep doing these little arcs. Like, they don't have to be 25 minute episodes. Just do 10 to 12, 14 minute episodes, and you're good to go. Like, this was a big success in my opinion, and. um you know, not not that, like, Twitter's, like, the be-all, end-all by any stretch. But, like, when this show came out, you know, it was, like, trending for a couple days. Like, you kept mm -hmm. seeing people talking and talking about it. So, like, obviously it has some legs in popularity. So, to me, I just think, if I had to say right now, I would say do Tales of the Sith for the next season. Oh, yeah, we're getting everybody agreeing about this. Battling Boston, seeing more Tales of the Sith. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, through more and more stories without an end. It's been yep. uh, unanimous there in, in our chat, which is a very, very, very small <laughs> sample size. <laughs> but nonetheless, everybody in this chat <laughs> is pretty unanimous about it because most of the time, uh, we got some mixed things here and there. But And like you said, Twitter, like, gosh darn it, Celebration Europe. Uh, let's let's get it, that, that uh, realization, that confirmation. We're getting more of these things. Um, Hannah, what what characters would you like to see featured specifically? Yeah, I mean, I completely echo everything you guys said and Ben, what you're saying about Tales of the Sith. I think they could go in such a cool direction with that. Uh, talk about some, maybe some Inquisitors, background on some different Inquisitors Ooh. as well. Um, but I would also love, yeah, like what we are saying, make this a continuous thing where it's really looking at key characters that aren't necessarily the main characters. Um, so I would love a Tales of the New Republic. I would love some, yep. you know, we could even see Mon Mothma, you know, <laughs> what Mon Mothma's doing in the New Republic at that time. And th like things like areas like that, where it's like, it's just giving padding and context around to certain areas of Star Wars. Like, especially I think the sequel trilogy definitely needs that treatment of oh, yeah. shows like even more books more, like more stories around it to to build it up to kind of flesh out a lot of the stories there which are like have such good basis but i you know need more of that like oh this is what that person's doing this is what that person's doing so i would love a yeah a later a bit of a new republic version of tales uh and even post uh rise of skywalker i would love to see a show after that you know maybe you know it could even be on oh, yeah. ray uh, Tales of the Jedi, Tales of the, I don't know what that would be called, but yeah, I think they could oh, apply like this format everywhere. Tales, yeah. Tales of the Tales of the Scavenger. <laughs> oh, I want to <laughs> see, I want to see Finn getting trained by Ray. That'd be so freaking cool, man. That'd be yes. so cool. Yeah. Oh, it would yeah. be. Yeah, I'd like this. I'd like to see. You know, ooh. This is original. Uh, uh, Tales of the Bounty Hunters, you know, have have stories with IG-88, have stories of Boss, have stories of Cad Bane, Django Fett. We need more damn Django Fett. He's the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. We haven't really seen him do anything. 
to get that accolade. Yeah. So like, give us more <laughs> of like a pre Phantom Menace Jenga Fett we're working with or Singh who or whoever and and making Tamara Tamara Morrison voicing him. Oh man. Mm. Oh man, that'd be that'd be incredible. Um, we have Aaron Daly in the chat giving it a ten out of ten as well. Um, everybody is just loving it. Everybody's loving it. Um, oh, we got one from uh, let's see, Battle and Balsons. How about Tales of Jar Jar? That, that, that'd oh my be... god, yes, <laughs> that would be amazing. And uh, what's his girlfriend, Queen Julia? I would <laughs> yeah, love there that. Tales. There you go. <laughs> Oh my oh, gosh, the many wives of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to get into our Andor talk. Uh, you know, this is how we usually go. We, we usually go for like an hour and a half and we still got more to do. We got more to do because this was a, a pretty good episode of Andor. I will say that to kind of give a little bit of introspection on what I'm going to say at the end of this. But yes, we have Andor episode nine for season one. Nobody's listening, in which we have so many characters come together. We are halfway through, more than halfway through the season, but all the groundwork has been set. We're seeing the cards being played, the, the people being over here, what's happening on Coruscant. We're seeing what's happening on Ferrix. So much has happened, and we get the gnarliest, like, torture scene in all of Star Wars. I put out a video on that this week. Uh, just absolutely, we get to see the evil side of the Empire in ways we haven't seen before. I'll throw it over to Hannah. What were your first impressions of this episode before we take a deeper dive? Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll, I'll give a bit of a quick context of sure. how I've been um, perceiving this show so far. Um, I think this is some of the best cinematography the best uh probably writing it's just just the production value of the show is just phenomenal mm -hmm. just amazingly clean um and well done and i think it's just such a well-made show and how they made it was just perfect i have had some gripes with the show and which being i i just and this is like a it's a very subjective thing this point of view but it's like uh like my own perspective of how star warsy is this show for me <laughs> and trying to connect with how much it's a star wars show um because i made a tweet uh, a week a week or two ago and i said this show is like a 9.5 out of 10 if mm -hmm. it's just a show but for, but as a Star Wars show for me, it's like a six out of ten in terms of just how much it's it's in the galaxy and every moment we know it's in the Star Wars galaxy. So that's kind of my previous experience, and this is and but I've been enjoying it every week. I love you know I watch it as soon as it comes out, so I've enjoyed it every week. But funny enough, this episode uh, is the, the probably my favorite episode oddly, oh. and it's taken me about nine episodes to really really. Like, the whole episode, I was fully engaged, didn't look away, like, this is a very good episode. Um, yeah, really, so, yeah, episode nine, very dark, a lot of dark turns here. Uh, but I really like, I, I feel like I'm very invested in the characters now, and only now. I think, you know, the Deidre and Bix, like, we really see Deidre be this, like, just real intense monstrous scary isb mm -hmm. agent you know, agent is she a commander i, I don't know What's supervisor her title? i, don't know what I think they is. said she said she was a supervisor yeah okay there you go it, like 
She she is yeah. so good at that role, and oh, man. I like how kind of previous episodes we we've kind of been on her side in a way, and we've kind of been like, oh, like she's kind of a good character, but you know, even though she works for the Empire, she's kind of doing her best. But this episode, like, that's gone. Like, it's like she is volatile. She is like scary. She's a scary lady, uh, and and Bix is like I mean her performance in this was amazing, but Bix. Like, we really feel for Bix in that situation, and you feel quite fearful for her experience. And then, you know, obviously you can kind of predict what's going to happen to Olaf, and at the end there, and you, you can feel that happening. And Andy Serkis's performance in this was just oh. chef kiss. Just incredible. Incredible. So I really enjoyed this episode, and I think it's mainly because of the performances of everyone. Yeah, yeah. So Hannah, you 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 opened up with that opening salvo, which I I kind of chuckled because me and Dad have been going back and forth like this Chris, relentlessly Chris exactly every week. We're we're basically at each other's throats like halfway through the week. Like you gotta you gotta understand it's like this, and he's like, no, you gotta understand it's like this, and this is why I feel this way, and I'm like. Okay, but this is how I feel about it. So I think I think I'm going to be fighting the losing it. battle on this episode tonight. Uh, but it's all good. We, yeah, you know, I, we all like what we like for certain reasons, and um, that's the age-old question: is this is this feeling enough yeah. Star Warsy? Uh, for I think that's the number mm. one question that's going around for a lot of people. A lot of people um, because this is more like mm. that spy thriller it's more of like a house of cards ask a lot of moving pieces uh yeah uh cer certain things like that where it's a little bit more toned down but um we're building and we're building and we're building and that's why we get to episodes like this where everything kind of boils um and we see what they've been you know working towards and all and all that so so uh ben what were your thoughts on this episode <laughs> well my first thoughts were i was as Hannah was explaining her breakdown of it, I was just staring straight at your your video feed, Chris, just seeing your reaction because I knew I knew you were thinking about what I was talking to you about this week. <laughs> um, I, I I just knew, but 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 you did you you summarized it perfectly, Hannah. That's like exactly how I feel about this show. Like the show's production, everything, etc. It's all great, nine out of ten type type deal. Mm -hmm. Like to me, and this is a whole nother discussion for another podcast for another day. But I just need an answer from someone at Lucasfilm. Why didn't Kenobi look this good? Like I just, I just need yes. that answer. It's like that, oh, that, that's yes. what I, because Kenobi to me, flip it around. Kenobi, you know, is a legacy character, Andor is a side character in Rogue One, arguably. So like, why would you not give Kenobi this budget and cinematography, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? But you know, like I said, that that's a pod, that's a whole two hour podcast in and of itself. Um, <laughs> and then like for me. You know, like I said, you summarize it perfectly. This is like a 9 out of 10 type show, normal show. But as a Star Wars show, it's probably a 6 out of 10. Because, like, mm. to me, it it hasn't, quote-unquote, like, felt like Star Wars since the last couple episodes. Like, the last two, three episodes is when it finally started feeling more like Star Wars to me. Um, and, like, even a few, couple weeks ago, me and Chris joked around about it. He was like, yay, Ben finally likes the show. Um, because <laughs> like, it's just, I, it's just, I've gotten like the first few up five, six episodes. It was like, man, where are we going with these characters? Where are we going with, um, like Milton's favorite character, Cyril Karn? Like he just keeps staring at the camera. Like, where are we going with all these characters, um, and these story arcs? And then it's now, you know, now we're at a point where it's like, okay, now we're finally like just getting to where we should be. Like to me. 
if you would have just shrunk down some of the stuff at the beginning and given us what we've got in the last three, four episodes, I think the show would have been much better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, just to like get on point, like with this episode specifically, I would say it was probably, yeah, it was probably, it was probably my favorite episode of the series as well, just because Uh-oh. like, you know, the, the implications, the ruthlessness of the empire, um, What's the lead empire? The imperial girl's name? Uh, Deidre Mira. Deidre Mira. Oh, Deidre Mira. Okay, Deidre Mira. Her, like her, she's been one of my favorite characters of the series, and she's like a side side ish type character. Um, I've really liked her uh, character arc so far, like going from where she was like initially to like dis- you know talking about like discovering the rebels to like where we are now with her. I really like that mm-hmm. arc. Um, The surprising thing with me with this show, honestly, like, you know, I've been interested in her. I've been interested, especially in Mon Mothma. All the stuff with Mon Mothma Mm -hmm. I've been interested in. But Cassian, being the title character, it's like, a lot of his stuff I just don't care too much about. I really don't. Other than, like, the actual environment, you know, I'm not caring as much about his character journey than the environments that we're seeing from his, like, experiences, if that makes sense. Like, it's like, ooh. It's like, ooh, are we in a are we in a Death Star factory or something? You know, is it like, like I mean, obviously right. that's what they're doing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, since yeah, they're wiping so. out these wiping out these workers and stuff, mm-hmm. like it's obviously the Death Star. So, um, you know, to me, that's kind of like my feelings so far on it. And uh, yeah, but this this episode though, it was definitely my favorite. Yeah, so let's start from the top. Let's start about Deidre Miro. And what I said in my video was yep. like, hey, we were a lot of us were rooting for this character, oddly enough, because it's this Imperial character. And we're, we're seeing her get her due, like working her way up the Imperial hierarchy, going up the Imperial ladder, you know, being very clever, almost like a Thrawn type of character where she's like thinking outside of the box and working with what she's given with what Andor did on Aldani, making the P.O. P-O-R-D or whatever initiative and uh, she can get all this information. She oversteps Blevin, gets his territory and we're all like, yeah, this is this is awesome. This girl's just taking this whole place by storm. And then we see her dealing with an actual rebel, if you will. And it's like, oh, we're, you know, we, we have to remember we're, we were mm. cheering for this person last week. But when it comes down to it, she's part of an evil fascist regime. And Damn, if I don't say she's probably on par with Vader, like Darth Vader, for a certain perspective, where you just feel the fear, like just the calm collectedness of her. I don't want to, I don't like wasting time. Like, that's literally what she says in the first opening scene is like, I don't like wasting time. And she just explains this and that. And it's just very, but she's just very in her face, like just the performance by, uh, I think the actress's name is pronounced Denise Go. Go or G O U G H Go Goo. But just absolutely incredible performance. The the, the ambiance of that scene, and of course Bix, the actress uh, there that plays Bix, uh, giving her credit. Um, Adria Arjona, just her reactions, her face, and you see how it goes. It cuts back. What I love about this scene is it's like. They show last episode the dude in the chair getting ushered out and she makes a play on it like, ah, you're not supposed to be that, whatever. 
So you see what happened and the effect of the actual implement that is used. What What is your guys' reaction of, like, the actual kind of torture they use? Like, we expect in a spy mm. thriller, like, oh, it's some physical manifestation of pain. But no, this is pain on a whole other level that you never would mm. expect. Yeah. I When it first came out, actually, I thought... I thought for some reason that it was going to be the thing that Lobot has on his head oh. and that we see in Rebels. Yeah. I thought it was that thing. I'm like, oh, is that? Because that, that Rebels character that like Ezra yep, knows, he's like a guy. family friend, and he goes all scrambled in the head and he kind oh. of can talk a little bit after it, but he's really kind of out of it. I thought, oh, is this the same device? So I don't know if that's connected or if it, it may be a related device, but... um. But yeah, no, the psychological torture of this is just, that's horrific. And so, somehow that is worse than physical, I, I think. For, mm -hmm. You know, I just, it was so confronting. And it's just like, and the doctor that played yeah. that, and that scene was just, oh, yeah. he was creepy. What a weirdo. God. Oh my gosh, Joshua like, oh, James. Yes. Like the, the sounds actor. of children screaming. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, because. <laughs> What's so nice is the mystery and also the anticipation of what's going to happen. It's like they do such a great job with the writing of explaining what happened to the previous guy, her friend, like how he was after he tried to resist so long and it was worthless. And then now he's like emotionally scarred forever. So they explained like a connection that was close to her. Then they explained how the actual thing was manufactured and how the Imperials mistakenly came across it and got screwed up in the head. So all of a sudden, this tension's building up, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's this going to do to Bix? And then you actually mm. see what it does to her while it's happening, and then after the fact, where she is like a different person, like she has like no will left, and we know that it was effective enough because we find out later in the episode, she basically spilled that Andor was there like a couple days before. So we see from before... During and after, we've you know we've seen lots of torture scenes in Star Wars. The first Star Wars movie had Darth Vader just torturing Leia, and and it was even worse after the fact, knowing that it was her father doing it. Um, and things like Empire Strikes Back and Force Awakens with like mind force probes and all this kind of crazy stuff, and yet this still felt like it had the most impact. Um, what about you, Ben? What what you think about this whole implement here? Yeah, I well see at first when we were going to the whole torture thing, I was like, are we gonna get a uh, a retro, not a retro, a a new take on that whole like table thing Han was strapped to in Empire Strikes Back, you know, something like that, mm. where he's like hot, hot, like he's like getting zapped or whatever it is, um, like that whole thing. I was thinking maybe we were gonna go to something like that, and then it was like, oh, this this is interesting. And like you mentioned, you have that like that like evil doctor there. Um, and I was like, what are they going to do? And then like, they started explaining it mm -hmm. and I was like, oh man, this is actually pretty wild. Like compared to just like, you know, something like a physical altercation. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And it's also, I think a good part of, or a good, it's like a good creative choice by like Tony Gilroy to do it this way versus like say a physical one. Because a physical one, I mean, you see that in, like, how many movies? Like, the character's getting interrogated, and they just beat him up, beat him up, beat him up, and then they mm -hmm. squeal. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, mm -hmm. this one, doing it, like, the more, I guess you would say, like, mental way, or, like, emotional way of doing it, it's, it, it adds, like, imagination to us. Because, like, we don't, mm -hmm. we don't see those creatures, you know? So it's like, we, 
are trying to like imagine like what this thing is and like you know you know it's it's more to the audience's discretion and imagination at that point so i thought they did a really good job at that and you know like you mentioned chris like just like seeing her go from like like pre to during to after like that was really good how they did that mm-hmm. and of course um you know seeing like deidre go from like basically like a character we were rooting for to like now it's like whoa she's like full-blown evil like really evil <laughs> mm. yeah. um so i thought i thought that was all done really well and i'm just foreshadowing like we're gonna get something going on now next with cassian's mom like i mean they literally oh, yeah. say like should should we get the mother they say should we get the mother and um either the doctor or it might have been deidre or maybe someone else said you know, she wouldn't survive or like she couldn't handle it basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so yeah. it just, what make, what I'm thinking is they say that now, but I think they say that until they can't find casting and they're like, screw it. Let's just do it. You know, I think we're going to get to that point. Like the empire is going to come in contact with the mom. It's only just a matter of time. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that'll be the pushing, like the plot device to push him like fully into like the rebellion fight. I think so. Um, going from one very committed, driven person of the Empire to somebody that wants to be part of the Empire that also enjoys a lot of, or maybe enjoys because he plays around with a lot of his blue cereal. What did you think about Cyril, his crazy ways of approaching uh, Miro in this one, Hannah? Oh, what a what a needy <laughs> little weird sad man. <laughs> just just say it nicely, but uh, you know, I think I think they wanted this character. I think they wanted Cyril to be that kind of character, very desperate, mm-hmm. um, but but kind of going too far. You know, it was very uncomfortable watching that scene as he's like. He's like yeah. waited for Deidre, and then he like is to me talking way too close to her. He's like right <laughs> in her face, and then that yeah. when he like grabs her arm. It's like oh, oh buddy, whoa, buddy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, very very uncomfortable and cringy. But I think that was the point. So good writing, good good character that you just you feel sorry for him, but also yeah. it's just like no, he's he's a bit of a he's a bit crazy now. Oh, yeah. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, whoa. Like, he's really up in her face. I was thinking she was going to, like, I don't know, draw a blaster on him or something at some point during that <laughs> yeah. sequence. Or even a, or even a stormtrooper walk up or yeah. something. Because it's like, like, holy smokes. Like, to me, that literally reminded me of, like, a scene you see out of, like, a, um, you know, like, you see, like, those, like, murder mystery type shows or what it's like the crazy mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend like showing up at the uh-huh. girl's work like type type mm-hmm. trope like that's that's what it reminded me of like yeah. from like those 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 stalker type movies or or whatever um like that's what it reminded me of because he just he won't let it go and um i mean at least this episode don't get me wrong i mean i can't answer for milton because milton's not been the biggest fan of of cyril i mean neither <laughs> neither have i for the most part but like at least this episode he's doing something instead of just like staring at the camera for, for no reason. Um, like it's nice. It's nice that they actually got him out doing something now. Just a matter of, again, where is this story going? Like we have Deidre's story. We have Cassian's story. We have, um, you know, even now the, um, Andy circus's characters getting involved. Like we have these characters 
getting involved, Mon Mothma, it's like, where is Ciro's story going? Is, is he going to go to Cassian's factory? Is he going to go to deal with Deidre more? Like, what what is this dude doing? Because it's like, we keep getting these scenes with him. They have to pay off eventually. I mean, don't they? Third time's a charm. I think next episode, um, something's going to happen. Or There will be so much tension. There's going to be a romantic scene in Star Wars. We're going to see him. <laughs> in a room to get, get a room there are so much like he, he he is so driven because he's like i finally found a person that is just like me that understands what i want to do and uh yeah i gotta get to this person so, <laughs> yeah. but i think we're gonna i mean we're gonna see a team up eventually but what about mon mothma do we what are we thinking about parent at this point of the show Perrin what are we gonna do with Perrin what are we gonna do with him I don't uh, he's a, he's such an interesting character and I, I actually still can't tell what's gonna happen with him I think we're led to believe that he's gonna be the one that, that like turns against Mon and probably like either dobs her in or like finds out about what she's doing or something but I feel like I feel like he might find out what she's doing and, like, side with her and maybe Tay Colma is the one that kind of betrays this whole plan mm. of getting the funds and money to help the rebellion. I think something like that is is set to happen. But, yeah, Perrin, he's still... He's not the greatest guy. He's, like, he's a little... He's just odd. Every scene with him is odd. And, you know, I think they've done... Again, really good... Uh, kind of character development, but not even in the dialogue. I think just the shots of him, the way he looks at Mon Mothma or, you know, the where he's looking to very suspiciously. Um, yes, yeah, so I've got a lot of questions around him. I, 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 and I can't wait to see them paid off and kind of answered of where his character is going. Yeah, so with the character of Vel showing up, do we think there's any kind of familiar, familial relationship uh, to Mon at all with her? Or, because it seems like she's, been around the family but that could be her cover for a while i wonder if she got recruited by mon first if she's not familial or if she got recruited by lucian first it's like that whole thing i'm like thinking about um i don't know maybe if i wasn't paying enough attention or if you guys have any have any more input on that but um that was definitely a, a low blow um with perrin because it's like oh yeah you know yeah, yeah, you're getting too old to find a man. And it's like, wait, does he also <laughs> oh, yeah. know that? It's like roasted. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know if it's like a, a, another shot down peg because if he knows that, you know, she's only really, I guess, into women because she was with Sinta. So I don't know if he also knew that mm -hmm. information was dragging her further underground. Like, this guy is an absolute jackass. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah. you just want to punch the guy in the face. Yeah, it was oh. super, super... Um rude of him yeah jackass is the right word he's such a <laughs> just rude i'm like how can you just say that and even yeah the, oh you're, you're too old to like find a man now you would have to marry like a widower like someone you know it's just like oh geez she's not even that old seemingly so seriously like, why are you so rude <laughs> um, yeah i mean i i don't know i feel like i feel like with her character i think it's um uh, i think it's kind of along the lines you're thinking Christo, about I think she might have been one of the early, like, rebel starters or, like, rebel people, I mm -hmm. would say. Um, I think a lot of these characters are for the most part, though. Like, Gluthan, like, a lot of these people, I think, 
this is like the original crew of rebels we're seeing maybe so like i think i think it's going to be something along those lines um potentially and again you know like you both mentioned with like Perrin and even their daughter like things like that like there has to be something to push i mean i've been saying it since the beginning of the series again like mon mothma from what we've seen anyways in this mm -hmm. show specifically um, not even like including anything else, like other other books or anything. Like as of what we've seen in this show so far, like she's just basically writing the checks. Like she's not getting her hands dirty yet. So to me, like what's going to be the thing that pushes her, like um, you know, like Cassian. Like what's going to be the pushing point that pushes both of them fully into the rebellion stuff. Like that's that's the big point. Like to me, it's either her husband turns on her. Who knows? Even her daughter turns her in. Like we don't. I mean, that could maybe happen. Uh, or Tay turns on uh, her. Yeah. Like, like one of these things, or maybe the Empire takes one of these people out. Like, and it's gonna. There has to be some type of a, again, a, like a plot device to push her into the fight, like fully versus just, hey, I'm the rich person writing the checks. Yeah, because we know at Rebels, uh, I don't know what season it is, but. The Gorman massacre, which has been mentioned a couple times, yep. like the Gormans are having issues with the trade routes and all. But I don't think that would happen this season because I think that's a little bit further. That's like further closer to Rogue One. But I mean, something, yeah, so it's going to be interesting if she. I, don't know, I have a feeling that her daughter is more of a spy, sadly enough, or something like that, because she mm. keeps popping up like in the weirdest places, like kind of just there it's like hmm yeah you're like what what is this about like what, what? why were you here <laughs> like, yes, yeah <laughs> i i have an idea yep. of, of yeah the daughter what's her name Le uh, Lita. i think her name yeah, is yeah Lita. Um, Lita, i her, think it's Lita. yeah her involvement i think um speaking of late princess of alderaan uh we get a big insight into the legislative youth oh, yeah, yeah, sister yeah. program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, if Leda's you know, a daughter of a senator, would she be in that program? Is she being from quite a young age, quite indoctrinated oh, yeah, into yeah, the yeah. thinking of Palpatine and being like, yeah, Palpatine's a great guy. He's doing great things. <laughs> so then maybe she's like, you know, of that thinking. And then, yeah, maybe she finds oh. out about her mum and, and, yeah, rats her out. Maybe that is the oh. way, well, you know, because her presence is odd. Oh, for sure. Well, that, I mean, that's another good point. Like, um, I think either Milton or one of us had brought it up on a prior podcast. Like, the thing is, you know, a lot of people may overlook with this series is, like, a lot of people probably support Palpatine and the government because it's like, hey, this is our government, like, protecting us like type deal like so to me i mean look we just saw in the ahsoka episode for example that that the guy that's in the village he's like oh the empire provides protection blah 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 blah. like you know so there's definitely going to be people like that and you know like you mentioned with Lita, like she would have been growing up i mean hmm. however old we think she is i mean she definitely has grown up through this imperial age and hmm. if she was if she was like say a kid during the fall of the republic she probably viewed the Jedi as bad guys. I mean, look, they tried to take out the basically the president of the galaxy. So, like, you know, it's just, I think it's natural. Like, she probably, so probably does mm -hmm. lean more toward supporting mm -hmm. Palpatine and, like, that whole cause. Yeah, so 
the the big part of this episode was the prison scene. And in the last episode, you know, everybody was talking about THX 11 comparisons and, and this episode yep. just takes it a step further. I'm like, this, this place is at the damn near borderline concentration camp. They're just offing people mm. left and right. It's just like, what the hell is happening? But there is so much tension in these scenes, especially in that when they're in those little cylinders and they're like, team two is down. And there's this like confusion where like even us as the viewers are kind of confused with Andor. It's like, what, like everybody just seems like, huh, what's happening? What's uh, We don't know what's happening as a viewer. We're looking into the situation and we're along for the ride. It's like, what is happening? Mm. They're doing sign language. At one point, Cassian's like trying to cut through a pipe and it's like, really good like prison breakout type of scenes and we're already gonna probably get that next episode but just what were your feelings guys about just what was transpiring there um just throughout this this scene with the tensions new people being brought in it seems like he's already got the plan there's there's this weird stuff happening with the guards which they kind of you know hinted at in the first time he got in there like this guard's missing, but this guard's here. It's like, what the hell is happening at this place? <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good. That's such a good point. And I think, I think that idea is gonna like come back. I think we we are seeing Cassian take a lot of note of where the guards are, and like what you said when he first entered, he like was taking note of the boots are here. They sit there. There's you know how many people are around. And then he has that kind of little quick conversation with another person from another table going, you know, when do they come? They only come here. If mm-hmm. they bring him down, he doesn't wear boots. Like they're kind of trying to calculate all the information of what's happening around. Um, but yeah, my, my other note I was going to make, it was pretty much exactly what you said of the, yeah, when we're in that corridor and the confusion. And it's like, yeah, we're not watching people be confused and we know what's happening. It's like, I, I was just as like, wait, what did he say to, to he, yeah. they all, did they all talk? Are they just saying, what's happening? What did he say? What's the sign? Oh, no, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I was, I felt like I was in the corridor as well, trying to like, what's happening? No, I don't think that's happened. No, they didn't all die. Did they all die? Like, I felt just as like chaotic to understand what was happening. Um, which I just thought was such a, such a, in, yeah, intense scene, really, really entertaining. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you said, I think there's a lot of similarities between concentration camps here, which is very, yeah, very confronting. And I, I, but I, it, it makes, you know, George Lucas creating kind of the empire originally, he took a lot of influence from the Nazi occupation. And I think, you know, that's mm-hmm. showing here, I think in uh, Tony Gore's like expression of what a prison would be like. So it, it makes sense. And it's, it's yeah, incredibly confronting and uh, very, very not a good situation. I don't know why they say this is a great place to be a prisoner. It's not. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, they're basically like, yeah. Well, when he, when he first went in there, and he's seen the sunlight behind him. The transport dropped him off. One of the guys was like, yeah, enjoy that because you're never going to see it again or something like that. It's like, oh, and he yeah, just means like you're not going to see it in you know a couple of years. But it's like, mm, maybe the people don't ever actually leave this place. Maybe they actually just get mm-hmm. off. But it leads me to believe like a lot of speculation, Ben, about like, hmm, as you were saying, maybe they're building Death Star things. Maybe somebody got that information and tried to get out so rather than try to single out the guy they said they all have to die now if one gets the information they'll spread it so now everybody has to get killed 
or something like that. But what, what was your reaction to all this confusion and everything in the prison? Yeah, I mean, I, again, like you both mentioned, like, you know, we were all confused watching it right along with, with the, uh, the characters of the show. And, you know, for me, for the whole sequence, it was like, you know, it was just chaotic and, and busy. And uh, it was definitely engaging, though, because, you, you know, you were just wondering, like, all right, what's going on here? Um, like, something's bound, like, like something's going to come out of this. Um, and then, of course, like you mentioned, we we discover, like, all the all the prisoners are, or not all the prisoners, but, you know, they're just, like, they go through and will, will like, wipe out a whole level of the prison, mm-hmm. like, and it's, like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they'll just go and take out all these workers. So now, you know, that adds... A layer of stakes to Cassian himself. Obviously, we know he survives. That adds a layer of stakes to say Andy Circus's character. Yeah. Because now I could see. Now I could see. I mean, he's getting taken out now. Now that now that we have this information that people are getting taken out, like he's one hundred percent toast. Um. Mm. So my thing with it is like we're getting stakes added to the show, which is nice. Like like that was a nice part, even saying. You know, some of the other Star Wars shows we had, like Kenobi, when Kenobi's and Leia are getting interrogated by, like, that truck driver and the stormtroopers, like, <laughs> yeah, that was you know, nice. that was stake. that was stakes, like, obviously we knew they were going to get out of it somehow, but it's it's good they're adding stakes to characters that have plot armor, um, j- mm-hmm. versus just, like, giving him an easy task, so I'm really liking how they're doing that with Cassie and himself, mm-hmm. and then, of course, just adding, like, the uh, the overarching layer of like they're working on the death star basically like pieces you know who knows what pieces of the death star they're even working on but they're working on some parts of it and it's just Mm. a matter of it's just a matter of like i i wonder if they're gonna do like they they haven't really done it so far Mm -hmm. but i wonder if we're gonna get some type of a shot some type of a thing to like fully confirm it, you know, like, like something to really like lay on, like, yeah, this is the Death Star because, you know, we've got little tidbits here and there, like, like say, you, you know, you know, to like me, fan service, for example, isn't a bad thing if it's done well. Like, mm-hmm. like for example, getting Palpatine mentioned in some of the episodes prior, that was done well. Like, that's, that's fan servicey, but it works. So, like, to me, it makes me wonder if we're going to get kind of like a fan servicey type thing. Of something to really confirm this is the Death Star, um, or even just like them talking about it being a, yeah. a, a massive weapon or something. I, so, like, I, I think we're heading yeah. in that type of a direction, especially the way the episode ended. Like, like there's going to have to be something that accelerates like even more. You know, the end of this episode. You know, by the way, mm-hmm. it ended with Andy Circus uh, saying there's like twelve guards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think you know, yeah. it's going to accelerate really quickly. I think you have to, you, you can't have any regular person know about the Death Star, obviously. Um, Cassian might get like an inkling of, oh, the Empire's building something, but if we're going to get a confirmation, it might be like to Dedra Miro, because she's our ISB agent that would probably be partial on that information since they have to keep the secrets yeah, maybe and all to the Empire. location or something. So they'll be like, oh, there was a breakout for the first time ever on one of our production plans for the DS1. They won't even say Death Star, they'll probably say like, ds1 keep it coded and it'll be like us people will be like oh they meant the death star you know it's not going to be like super in your face um but they'll be like we have to lock this stuff down let's kill the geonosians you know because we know that they they got gassed Mm -hmm. they're like oh we can't let anybody 
have a blunder like this again. Go kill the Geonosians, you know, or something like that. Um, but, well, yeah, I, yeah. I was going to say, just, just to throw out there real quick when we're on the Death Star topic, um, actually, just thinking about it more, do you guys, do both of you think maybe, maybe Saul ends up being a person involved with all of this? Because, you know, He's the one speculating in Rogue One about like a super weapon, and like he's oh, the yeah, one yeah. doing a lot of the speculation. So to mm. me, is he going to be the one maybe that somehow yeah. gets involved with this? Maybe gets an inkling of it versus just straight up Cassian? Because like obviously Saul's so paranoid and everything, like it makes me wonder if he's going to mm-hmm. potentially be the one oh. involved to like somehow get a hint versus like any of our other characters. That's a good point, and we got. We got pretty good information. We didn't see Saul this this week, but there was like again. What I like about the show is sometimes it, there's a lot of nuance, and some of these conversations move by so quick that you yep. have to like sometimes turn on subtitles to like to really get the full context. But that's cool. It's like we're not being spoon fed. There's a little bit more layers with the show, but there was something being said about Steer Garden or something because that's where uh, or one of those planets was where he's gonna was wanting to bring his ships to fight. Uh, with Lucian, or Lucian was trying to get him to fight these people over in space over here somewhere. Um, mm. So I think we're going to see that next week. We see like a space battle in the trailers. I think that's maybe next week. But yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Saul, Saul could go there. Um, and, and finally, I want to talk about Andy Serkis's character and, and what happened with the... Uh, I don't even know the older gentleman's name, but what was Ufa? Ula. Olaf. Okay. Olaf. I think it's yeah. like Olaf with a U, essentially. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, that's okay. what I was thinking. I was like, are they saying Olaf? <laughs> right. But that was insane. I've never seen a medical emergency quite as visceral as the dude literally mm. having a stroke. Like you, you see, like throughout the course of this episode, like this guy's not having a good day. This guy's like having like memory loss. He seems like he's. It's like really terrible. It's terrifying. It's like. This old guy, like, first off, what the hell did he do to even get in here? That's what I want to know. Did he just what? like, did he just like jaywalk across the crosswalk? And they're like, oh, you're going to prison for three years because of the new act. Sorry. Like, this guy doesn't even seem at violent at the slightest or anything. But anyway, um, and yeah, the Empire's just going to throw people in prison for the hell of it, just because they look at him funny. Um, we see what happened with Cassian, but. Yeah, just to see his transition was really sad, really, really sad. And it just shows you how evil the Empire is. Like, like they equip their, their so-called medics with ways of just dealing with the problem. A.K.A. if it's too bad of a problem, just kill them. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Yeah. It won't feel a thing. Yeah. But we're just going to put them out. It's like, what? It's like, this is yeah. evil. Like, anim- like animal. Crap. Yeah, like an animal. Like, they treat them like cattle. It was, like, absolutely yeah. horrible. Mm. And and that whole conversation that in that last five minutes was so intense. And you, every line, you're learning something new. And the doctor's like, you know, we're, we're, no one's gotten out of here. And then Andy's like, well, what happened, Andy? I don't know. What's his name? Kino. 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 Co- or Kino um, Lawyer or something. Yeah, Kino. You know, well, what, what happened? And he just looks at him, keep your men in line. Like, that's all us. Mm. Like, you're just like, oh, my God gosh what is gonna happen so yeah really build the intensity really really nicely lots of tension in that conversation it was the best part of the episode for me oh yeah bam mm. oh yeah i mean I, I agree with you both again like it's just that um 
that whole conversation, you know, well, for one, you have like the doctors being so like casual about like just put this mm-hmm. dude down, and it's like holy smokes, like you know, even the doctors are like pure evil. Um, because yeah. I mean, you know, again, it, it alludes back to like the old World War Two days of like you know you had those you hear so many stories about those like evil doctors and medical practitioners back well, then wait. doing he crazy things, even... and like you know, we have that now in this where they're like, yeah, we'll just put a worker down. Um, so like we get that. And then of course you get the conversation between, um, Cassian and Andy, like you said, his name, whatever, Kino or, or whatever you guys said, <laughs> yeah, Kino, Kino, yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. Okay. Um, well, f- well, funny thing about him. I didn't even recognize that was Andy circus at first. I was like, I-, I kept messaging Chris. I was like the boss, the boss, the boss. And, he was like, do you not know who that is? I was like, I don't know, the boss? Yeah, last <laughs> week. I was um, like, you know who that is, right? He's like, yeah. what? Eddie Circus. And it just blew his mind on the stream. I was, I was like, like, yep. Whoa. <laughs> hey, Sorry. see, this is, a, this, is, this, is, this is a Snoke origin story. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like, I'm really excited to see how his character does because, well, well for one, his acting. Andy Circus's oh. acting is so good. And, you know, we've normally just seen him in, or not even really seen him. He's just, like, the motion capture guy. Mm-hmm. And it's great we're actually seeing him, you know, he's a good actor live-action-wise. Like, he's done a good job so far. And the fact that I was, like, you know, it's good they built the stakes of, like, these characters between him and Cassian. Um, like, they build up that little little bit of a relationship. Not mm-hmm. a lot. They build up that little bit of a relationship for us as an audience because, like, by the end of it, you're like, come on, come on, come on. Like, tell him the guard number. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, is he going to yeah. do it or not? And then, like, he does. So now we know for sure, like, this next episode, like you said earlier, Chris, like, this is prison break. Like, this is, they're going to go full prison break mode. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Because, I mean, of course, I don't I don't think Andy Circus is making it out. But I think he's going to probably go out in a pretty cool way, um, I would say. Yeah, but going back to the guy, first off, I think he's a prisoner, this doctor, right? Like, he's he doesn't have, like, their unit. He mm-hmm. has, like, the prisoner uniform on. So I guess that guy probably just gets, like, the extra f- flavored food for what he does, maybe. <laughs> he's He's got more information. Okay, <laughs> we're going to give taste. him more taste in his food, whatever. But, like, it's really, like, kind of, like, off-putting because he's, like, Kino's, like, or, or he says something about, like, oh, I have to do something for this man. And Kino's like, I just told you what his name is. His name is Olaf. And he's like, I don't get to know anybody's name here because of what I do here. I don't want to. He says something, like, really, like, dark. Like, I don't want to know yeah. anybody because we later not know why. Because he basically is the guy that just kills people. Just puts them mm, puts yeah. down, whatever. Like like a dog or something. Well, it's like Well, he's, mm. he, he's definitely a prisoner because... Um, Kino is like, I mean, at first, yeah. you know, he, you know, when Kino got introduced, he was like, I have 279 days left in my sentence, blah, 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 blah. Don't, you know, don't mess anything up. So like, obviously everybody working at this facility or like a good majority of these people working at this facility are prisoners. So, you know, man, it's just like, what a horrible job. Like you're the prisoner, mm. you're like the exit, the, I guess, involuntary executioner of these prisoners which is crazy um and then i'm guessing you know they probably have like 
there's got to be some type of monitoring or something. Like, they're not just letting prisoners run the factory. Mm, like, you yeah. wouldn't think, anyways. But it's just, it's crazy getting to see, like, this side of the Empire, like, this evil of a side. Because we have, you know, this piled on top of the whole interrogation sequence we've already discussed. Like, like man, we've gotten a lot of wild stuff in this episode. You know, we haven't, like, really seen in Star Wars, like, fleshed out on live action, like, on screen. Heck yeah. So we're running a little bit late here. So I do want to start to wrap things up for tonight because yep. we got so much we had to get through, but we, we managed to do it all a little bit over two hours, but I'm going to give you guys a chance to give your thoughts and scores out of 10. Everybody listening and chiming in a chat, go ahead, type your, your scores in there as well. I'll throw it to our guest, Hannah. What was your final thoughts and score out of 10 in nobody's listening? Yeah, I, I really enjoy this episode. A uh, bit of mixed feelings of the season so far, but this has been mm -hmm. my favorite. I probably have to give it a eight and a half out of ten. There you go. Eight and a half out of ten. I am going to go give it a nine out of ten. I'm going to give this one a nine out of ten. I really enjoyed how this pushed Star Wars further in ways I'd never seen it go before. Um, really seeing the evilness of Star Wars really seeing a lot of these characters shine, especially with Deidre Miro, seeing her character arc coming so close to being something I was in, like being on board for, and then realizing, oh, I shouldn't be rooting for this fascist person that's causing mayhem and evil and harm on these poor people. Like it's, that's how good the writing is with the show where it really draws you in. Like you were saying, Hannah, it draws you in. You're getting mm. sold on these moments because just the way the acting is, the dialogue, everything on a creative level uh, that's involved is just selling me so much in this last half of the season here. Uh, so yeah, nine out of 10, Ben, what about you? Yeah, for me, um, I thought it was a really good episode. I, it was my favorite episode of the season as well. I think they they did a really good job of pushing the story forward, giving us more stakes for the characters, which I think is really important for a character that has plot armor like Cassian. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, introducing new like dangers to you know potential surrounding characters like mm -hmm. like Mon Mothma's husband and daughter, like um, Andy Circus, like all these characters. Heck, like even Cyril Karn. Like, who knows? Maybe he goes over the deep end and takes out Deidre or something oh. like you know we, we never know like with these characters because you know we don't know where Deidre is we don't know where Cyril Karn is we don't know where any of these other characters are mm -hmm. so it's good that they're making them it's good that they're making them not disposable but I guess like you know where they, they can get taken out if they choose to do that so it's mm -hmm. good that they've introduced those type of threats to all these characters and then yeah I'm just really excited to see where they mm -hmm. go with it because we have you know however many episodes left three now. more episodes like yeah three so of course like we mentioned the next one's like the prison break type deal most likely anyways um and it's just it's just a matter of like how all of these stories wrap up because mm -hmm. you know again a lot of these characters are getting it's like the moment you know the moment the momentum is building in the season it's building for cassian it's building for mon mothma it's building for the different rebel groups. And, like, we're getting to a point, like, they have to get to the pushing point to, like, you know, just get pushed off the cliff into the full, like, head first into all of this. So, like, we're getting to that point, 
I don't think we'll be at it just yet next week. I think we're looking at more of that type of cliff in maybe episode 11. But, you know, we're getting closer to it. So for me, I would say with all of that being said, Mm -hmm. I would have to give this an 8.8 out of 10. All right. So we got Ben with an 8.8, Hannah with an 8.5, me with a 9 in the chat. We had Milton who said he loved this episode. This is his favorite episode so far. Battle in Boston's yep. 8.5 out of 10. Aaron Daly, 8, uh, 8 out of 10. And Dark Nerdy Gonzo, 9 out of 10. So, yeah, there you have it. We talked a lot about Tales of the Jedi with the Dooku stuff. We talked about Andor. And we talked about some video games on the front end of this episode. So we dived in a lot. And we want to thank, of course, Hannah for joining us, being the fourth member thank of this crew yeah. tonight. So uh, <laughs> we had a little bit of technical difficulties. We wish that Miller could have stayed, but he's having some PC issues. But Hannah, tell everybody uh, where they can find you once again. Plug everything you want. Uh, this is The floor is yours. Fantastic. Yeah, well, you can find me over on the Ray side on YouTube. That's R-A-E side. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, those same handles. I don't know what's happening with Twitter. That's every- Apparently, that's melting down. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I'm over there having Star Wars banter over there. Uh, and you can... So my show is every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's a, the live show of the Ray side. And you can also catch me over on the Star Wars Underworld. That's Thursday at... 6.30 Pacific time, which is 9.30 Eastern time. There you go. Uh, so you can catch me over there every week as well. Uh, and, yeah, follow them at the SW on social media. There you go. And we'll have to have you back one of these weeks here for sure because uh, we had a great discussion. Yes. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Ben, what are you going to be up to this week? And where can people find you? Um, I'm just going to be up to the normal the normal. Uh normal relaxing catching up on movies and shows like i said i'm most likely going to finish try to finish peacemaker this week and i don't know how many episodes mm-hmm. there are but i'm all, i finished the first four so i'm getting through that show and then i will just be working out as always um you know as we as we all know here i'm <laughs> working on dieting down again getting super shredded again so like that's just going well down another pound this week and it's just just a process just takes time it's you know multi all time months to get to that point um so yeah you can find me talking about that or well you can find me talking star wars and movies and sports Mm -hmm. on twitter at at real ben maynard and then you can follow me on instagram to keep up with my um fitness journey of getting super lean again at real ben maynard as well and Ben, you know, always know his information. I still don't have a committed to memory after 81 episodes okay. of this. But... <laughs> All right. So you can find Milton. Milton always talks um, Philadelphia Eagles football and other sports on his Twitter at Milton Weber seven. And then you can find his Instagram where he posts his workouts as well. Milton, the number seven and then Weber. All right. And this week, as I mentioned um, in our discussion, I put up uh, why this episode had the most horrific torture scene in all of Star Wars. And apparently people are 
liking that. I guess I have to make more dark cider type videos more often or something. But anyway, <laughs> you can check out that content. It's on the channel for you to watch. Um, we have um, a Higher Public comic coming out next week, so I'll be reviewing that as it comes out on, on that Thursday. I'll have that video up as I usually do. But otherwise, you can guys can catch us all here, me, Milton, and Ben next week as we'll be talking about episode 10 of Andor and only Andor and um well we'll see if any gigantic news drops or something like that but we have a couple news stories we were sitting back on uh waiting to talk about as things got a little bit calmer around here because uh, we didn't even talk about just the fact that like uh tales of the jedi and star wars and or came out on the same day it was that was madness but anyway um mm, crazy. For, yeah <laughs> for hannah for ben for milton for i chris aka star raptor this was outer rim transmission number 81 be safe, everybody. Have a great week. That's going to do it for us here. May the force be with you always and transmission.